On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're sliding into some true crime drama with Elle Fanning in The Girl from Plainville on Stars Play, fighting a wide-ranging conspiracy with Chris Pratt in The Terminal List on Sky, going undercover in a supermax prison for the criminally insane with Taron Egerton in Blackbird on Apple TV+, and finally, learning childcare the hard way thanks to a demonic nipper in The Baby on Sky. Plus, as promised a couple of weeks ago, we have Chiwetel Ejiofor, Naomi Harris, and Bill Nye on the show to talk all about The Man Who Fell to Earth with longtime Pilot TV superfan Chris Hewitt. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that has been wrangling over TV more than usual this week as we wrestled, fought, and argued over our list of the best shows of the year so far. But before, before we get into that whole can of worms, I should introduce the people I've been arguing with, specifically Boyd Sherwood is going on the list if I have to kill someone, Hilton, <laughs> and Beth Barry or GTFO Webb. How are we? Are we good? <laughs> That's a slight spoiler alert for my What Have You Been Watching? But yes. <laughs> Fine. Right. Yes. I want. I want that on a t-shirt. Barry <laughs> ba- yeah. the GTFO. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm sure HBO would market those. They probably would. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, we will get onto the list in a very short while. But before we do that, should we have a very brief run through of what we've been watching? By which I mean very Beth and brief. I mention a show, and then Boyd talks for forty-five minutes about every show on TV. Ooh, <laughs> here we go. Oh, shots fired. Not even five fired. minutes yeah. in. Fucking hell! Wow. No and do you know what that said? I don't actually know what I've watched this week. I've drawn completely a blank. Aside, the best thing on television at the moment is Ms. Marvel. I am so... Mm. I watched... I got up early to watch, because I'm behind, I got up early to watch the most recent episode this morning, and I just couldn't quite believe what I was watching. I loved, I loved that we got to see Marvel in Pakistan uh, watching the actual identity of a young superhero being made Mm. based on her identity. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. A really fantastic action sequence like a like a sprawling fun but like gripping action sequence with a teenage girl at the heart of it which didn't feel like it was cute or like it was holding back in any way because she's a teenage girl that was really cool and then the final shot of that episode I thought was absolutely fantastic to the point where I actually sat up and was like oh my god are we actually gonna watch this happened in a in a Marvel TV show. This is great. I maintain that Marvel TV shows better than the films. Better than the films. Wow. Though, I mean, because they d- that's deranged, but carry on. And I fully expect I mean, to be Beth, like asked to oh, hand in my go. gun. Definitely here we go. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse. Here we go. I, I forgot that our Boyd was lost to the multiverse, <laughs> and we have variant Boyd here who yes. doesn't like Doctor Strange. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I'm fully expect- Have you seen the new Thor yet, though? No, I haven't. Because uh, everyone's saying that's that's really good. And I'm sure it's going to be absolutely mm. fucking fantastic. We've seen that. We're seeing that tomorrow tomorrow as this show goes out right yes 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 we yeah are. i'm very excited i'm i'm absolutely excited i'm not saying i'm not by any means saying that they're terrible <laughs> could you imagine i know what you mean though yeah. chris hewitt is like oh. knocking at the door like yeah. asking me to hand in my, my badge <laughs> yes, and gun right. yeah. basically exactly. yeah. <laughs> my empire yeah. badge and gun but what i'm saying is that they have so much more scope to be bold and and bold. push bold and lavish lavish, lavish. <laughs> yeah. but they're ambitious you get to see all kinds of stories not just kind of worked into the fabric of the show but actually spotlighted in the show like to see this young woman kind of getting to know herself in that respect it's like we just we haven't seen anything like that in the films yet and we probably won't for a really long time so i just love it i love what these most of these shows 
fucking Winter Soldier Falcon bullshit. <laughs> but um, why Chris doesn't get me on the Spider Specials? I it's don't hard to know. say. Yeah. It is hard to say. <laughs> but I just, I, I love, I loved, I loved Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye was brilliant, and what they did bringing people like characters like Echo into it, and I'm excited to see that spin off. I'm just, I'm very sold on the shows. I'm very sold on the shows, and I maintain, yeah. But you didn't like Moon Knight quite as oh much. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Moon Knight. To me, its biggest crime is I can't really tell you anything that happened in that show. Looking back <laughs> at it. And to have Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac in that show, and I couldn't really tell you what it was about. And it's just not very memorable. And that in itself is pretty unforgivable. Just like Boy's Phone going off I I'm talking. I've never heard that noise before in my life. I <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, it started really well, didn't it? I'm going to get against this discussion of Hawkeye, but it started really well and then just kind of tailed off. What, Hawkeye? Not Hawkeye, sorry. Moonlight. Um, Moonlight. 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 Moonlight, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you about Moonlight. It, 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 it was almost too clever, clever, wasn't it, for its yeah. own good? And in the end, you just didn't care what was real, what wasn't real, what was, you know, it was just, it, it think, just fell into that trap. And I'll say it again, you've got Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke there. Why haven't you got a story solely about Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke? Two massive Hollywood players. Yeah. And they're like, oh, let's get super conceptual, delve into the meaning of life and death and splintered identities and Egyptian myths and, and all that. And I'm just like, you could have had a really fun Tomb Raider type Indiana Jones type adventure with these two people and I know that's obviously not what happens in the comics oh, see, but it just feels like <laughs> I see go. I wanted the opposite I want the first two episodes across all six I want him being Stephen yeah. and I like their interplay in London That those were my favourite episodes I like that show I mean it did get somewhat more generic as it went along definitely yeah. but I thought it was strongest in those first two episodes yeah. I thought they were fantastic I really did they were, they were solid again I maintain they didn't look great Hi, have you seen Obi-Wan Kenobi? I'm just going to throw that out there, hey, apropos hey, of nothing. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't but, agree with you as loudly. Yeah, fair enough. But, but, I, I, but to your point, like again, like Miss Marvel, like you look at the most recent episode, that final shot, as you mm. say, like it looks so lavish. It look, No, but it does. Like, it looks so expensive. It looks luxurious. Yeah. And then you look at, you know, the little round room that they shoot Obi-Wan Kenobi in yeah. with the screens on the wall. And it looks so cheap, even though it's not. And I know it's not a cheap show. I know it's not a cheap show. But it, looks, it looks like a cheap show. You are obsessed. I am obsessed. Where they film I am obsessed. Kenobi. This volume is the bane of my life. Like, yeah. it really, like, ruined that show for me. But um, yeah, I love mm. it. I loved... And that action sequence was amazing. We were debating in the office yesterday. I'm on was in our office and was saying, you know, there's only been one really good action scene in a Marvel show and it's the car chase in Hawkeye. And I'm like, loads of, that, that's, I mean, that's wrong. I mean, it is wrong. It yes. is wrong. But th like the, the final episode with the Christmas tree and the kind of Shane Black comedy action and Florence Pugh on the ice doing loads of like cool shit. Oh, I love it. I love it. I just think, I don't know, the films take themselves slightly too seriously apart from Thor, which I am confident I will. Mm. Yeah, I think I you'll like that. Do you like Ragnarok? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel you will enjoy that, that one. I know I will. Well, I suspect I will. I haven't seen it, so I can't say. Yeah, but yeah. yes, Ragnarok is a, is a favourite of mine. Boyd would, of course, hate it. No, uh, no, 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 no. No, I only hate the... the Evil Thor. I don't, I, only, I don't hate. I dislike... I was disgusted, disappointed. That's okay. Because I, I was a big fan of the first, as I keep mentioning. Doctor Strange and the Doctor Multiverse Strange. of Badness for exactly. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair um, enough. Now, none of us have streamed Stranger Things, have we, at this stage? No, no. I was going to say, it's just arrived... This is, we're recording this Thursday yeah. for transparency, and it's arrived in my Netflix account and I, what I would do if I had the chance to just go home and watch it all now but that's not going to happen And but we haven't got time listeners have we we've just we had a long chat about it we haven't got time we should really do a record a special bit we should to discuss the 
two and a half hour and the one and a half hour last two episodes. Yeah. But who's got... F- Beth particularly seems reluctant to spend four hours <laughs> watching Stranger <laughs> Things. It's annoying because two. I'm going to have to for, for work. For so, work reasons, yeah. yeah. I will um, begrudgingly. But yeah, so we can't say what we thought of it. But, the, but by the time this poker goes out on Monday, or whatever, by whatever time James finishes editing it, that I'm not... Hey! <laughs> I'm fully shots fired. No, 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 that wasn't sarcastic. No, I meant more. You literally have to edit the thing. You poor fuck. That is true. Yeah. Though I do get increasingly abusive tweets. But as it gets later I and later know. on Monday afternoon, people are like, uh, taps watch. Where's the podcast? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm full of admiration for the fact that you edit the bloody thing. What but are your predictions, though? Like, should we do like a game of oh, predictions God, and weird, see if we get it right when it when we if we one of them could... dies? Well, I think one of them does die. At yeah. least one of them. My dies. money's on Will. Is I, it? Yes. I fucking wish we would die. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. More shots fired. They wow. need to do. They need to do something special with him. The or not gloves are off here. Not at least cut his bloody hair. Yeah, I mean that's true. Um, yeah, the hair is upsetting. No, I think someone someone has messaged me. One of our freelancers today has messaged me and said they're very worried about Steve. I think Steve would. That would be straight. I for think Steve's more no. likely than Will. Do you no, think? Yeah. do not kill Steve. Yeah. Steve has excellent. I don't hair. think. I don't think Will. I don't think Will will die. I um, think Murray's gonna go. I think Murray, he's had his crowning moment. He got to do jujitsu on a plane or whatever it was he was doing. He got to redeem himself for being the most utterest bellend of all time in Fleabag, you know, and and sort but, of craft a new legacy for himself. And I, I, wouldn't think, be, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he died, but would that be a big enough... Like, he might die anyway. I don't think... Uh, and with all due respect to him... they don't really him, kill off the, the mains, do they? And well, I, I think, think they might kill off more of a major character than him. Yeah. I've got the... F- don't that don't come near Sadie Singh, though. That's, that's No, no, no. Not Sadie Singh. I'm thinking... I'm just looking... I'm just could, thinking, it, could it not be Nancy? Oh, could, could it be Nancy? If anyone... I, do you know what? I'd, I'd, I'd be on board with that. It could be Nancy. If you're going to kill Nancy, that's, Nancy, that's... The reason it's I don't think Nancy. it's going to be Will is because they need to resolve his storyline. They need to... They can't just left it, leave him with his strong feelings for his best mate, you know, and all of that. And not but maybe they'll that. resolve it and then he dies horribly. And that, that sort of... That's the crowning moment. That would be a, an absolute... <laughs> Pop cultural disaster. <laughs> Let me just say that. Strange things, people. If you got time, if you're thinking of doing that, I know it's all been filmed and everything, but don't do that. Yeah, I'm you can't thinking... ever weeding around an Alan Turing right presentation yeah. school project and exactly. not, not follow up on I that. I think subtle... I'm going to suggest. I think maybe John. I think Charlie Heaton might get the old. Yeah, again, I wouldn't mind. I, yeah, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that as well. Yeah. My, you know, I just feel that someone. It's a character like that in that kind of level of importance. I, he's never. Like first few seasons, you, he, as the brother of the boy who's gone missing, yeah, yeah, that was his role really, and I've never felt he really has much of a unique, I don't know. Unique and we're all Team Steve now at this point, anyway. Right, Steve's so. overtaken him yeah. massively. Yeah. I mean, Steve yeah. overtook him as soon as he arrived on the show. Yeah, that's true. Sorry to say, because yeah. he's almost an antagonist early on in that first yeah. season. You were rooting for Heaton's character, but yeah. now it's all about Steve and the hair. Yeah, now I don't, I don't. I think he's just a bit lost that character in in, yeah. the, in the morass. Kill him! Him. Kill him! Well, kill him! I mean, <laughs> cheering on the death of children, but <laughs> no, I think the fact they've had to bring in, oh, what's his name? Argyle? Is that what they've called him? So, Comic Yeah, Williams, yeah, 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 yeah. Who is brilliant. I do love him, oh, but the yeah, fact they've, funny, yeah. they've had to bring him in because they're like, the oh God, we can't have those, we can't have those three boys together on their own. That'd be dour. That would be dour. So they've brought him in to kind of source things up a bit. But yeah, probably Murray. I mean, if they really want to have a big emotional moment, yeah. then it will be someone like Winona Ryder. That's true. I, that, that was one of my biggest qualms with the first volume. They just they didn't know what to do with them. They didn't no. know what to do with half of that cast, and right. I'm sure they are holding some of that back for what we're about to see. Yeah, but mm. as time's gone along, yeah, you know, 
I don't know. I think I think you, there's no point in killing off a character if you're not going to get a big emotional response to exactly. it. Exactly. I think she would get one of the biggest emotional responses, and yet not with. All, I love her. Yeah. And she's she's great. And you know, I think I think this season that thing has been a bit unfortunate. She's been the person who's kind of constantly pining for what's his name, David Harbour, David Harbour. which we've all done. To be of course, fair. Yeah, fair enough. But it felt a bit like one note her her character this yeah. season. If I'm being super harsh, but you would get a huge. That would be a huge emotional response to her if she yeah. if she, she can't. You do realise the whole problem with this conversation is we're we're speculating on something that all of our listeners have at this point. I know, seen. it's completely ridiculous. <laughs> but this is why I mean, this is going to be the fun of it. it they can listen on Monday to our predictions and be like, oh, they don't know the first fucking thing about television. That's <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> fair. Let's just, if it, if it turns out to be none of these things and a really... I'll just cut it all out. no one dies, just cut it all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you do want to know what we thought about Stranger Things Volume 2, then you can skip right to the very end of this week's episode where Boyd and I recorded a little drop-in on Monday morning, a little reaction to that. It is spoilerific. It is packed to the gills with spoilers, in fact. So if you have yet to watch the final two episodes of Stranger Things Season 4, do not listen to it and just stop when you hear the pilot out. I just want to mention what I've been watching that Sherwood is, it's all about finishing Sherwood because I was watching that live and, and it was going out and double two episodes each week, Mondays and Tuesdays, and it finished this week. Episode five, the penultimate controversy and the move to BBC Two because of Wimbledon. What? Yes. Hey. Absolute outrage. They didn't do that for the final episode because there was another big Wimbledon game that went on like till, for hours and hours, but they kept Sherwood the finale quite rightly on BBC One. When we were going to talk about, we did have a, a dispute, as James alluded to, about what in our half yearly list about where Sherwood goes in it because James basically watched the first episode because it was a bit grim gave up which happens <laughs> constantly it, this is Terry's like favourite show yeah. now like she's been banging yeah. on about this a great thing but then you could not find a show that's more Terry if you tried no so. true yeah working class communities yeah minors um, all of it yeah, yeah. etc what I would say is, I think it, it ended brilliantly. I think it's a massive achievement by James Graham, the writer. I think it is a show that fit, fits in with the whole history of BBC working class writers like Dennis Potter and Paul Abbott, you know, just like great kind of Jimmy McGovern. All these people, like there's a whole his, history of them. They are mostly men, unfortunately, because that, I'm going back to the 70s and 80s, you know, when, let's face it, TV drama was basically written by men yeah. pretty much entirely. But if, this feels like a show that is in that tradition. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like the, the the kind of it's using the the crime thriller genre which it does brilliantly because you are completely compelled by who you know why this guy is going around shooting people with his you know bow and arrow why what happened with this other guy there's another there's two murders in the early days and then it all comes to a head at the end of episode two and there's also the additional mystery of who the undercover there's an undercover cop who's been in this community for literally decades and, and has basically, you know, had now got a family and they don't know and no one knows. So they actually originally sent there to go undercover and essentially, you know, root rat on working on the working class miners for the establishment. So all of these story elements. And then on top of that, it's it's a story about can you resolve these age old conflicts, political conflicts and class conflicts within communities? And it's without wanting to sound all soppy and, you know, sentimental. The way that he that is dealt with in the end, I found incredibly moving. Oh, wow. Yeah, and really quite inspiring yeah. in a way because I think James Graham's got a whole point he's making about, you know, people 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 being dis, dif, almost defining themselves yeah. politically yeah. by what happens 
to them in their lives and in, 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 in splits in communities. So I think it's an instant classic, Sherwood. And it may not be that high in the top 20 today, which we'll come to, but I think it will be remembered. I mean, it's got, going to have a second series they revealed this week, which is an interesting decision because it definitely feels like a self-contained series. But it's so good and the cast is so astonishing yeah. that they will, I'm sure, I totally trust James Graham to come up with a believable mystery new mystery yeah. this next time round it's just it's just a real it's it's definitely going to take its place as a kind of long remembered piece of tv drama is all i would say that's good my mum's a fan my is she? oh that's yeah. good that's good we got the we got well, the she's watching something mm. she, do you know the feedback i got from her the other day she was like oh i do like listening to you because <laughs> i mean i don't really watch the shows that you talk about and sometimes i don't really listen to what you're saying but it's nice <laughs> to have it on a bit oh. like james i was about to say we have that <laughs> yeah. in common so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your, your mum and James is very much VPs in the past. She just has us on. So, Amazing. yeah. So, I'm glad that she's actually picked up on And she's enjoying on Sherwood, yeah. which is, is a landmark in it's television. A landmark, that's the word. Well mm. done. Thank you. Yeah. It's a yeah. landmark TV and drama. And speaking of landmark TV dramas, we were obviously all very, very devastated to hear this week that C is coming to a close <laughs> oh after the third and final season. Why are you jumping ahead which, to that? We because, to because, yeah. Well, because you brought up landmark TV dramas, Boyd, so I felt Tenuous. compelled. I felt Tenuous <laughs> at best. I felt compelled <laughs> to point out, to, to, to telegraph news, to jump ahead and to say that C has, I'm not going to say been cancelled, C is coming to a close after its third season, which is going to air, I think, on the 26th of August. So we're going to, to see Bubba Voss one more time before he... Yes, James, yes. Yeah. So can we all just take a moment to recognise that this is, again, a landmark in modern television that is, is you know, one of our away. listeners. One of our listeners suggested that Beth and I arrive to the podcast <laughs> half an hour late. Yeah, I love that. Just so, <laughs> just so you could get all your C bullshit. I will now read some poetry that I have written to oh, commemorate God. this moment. Why is the guitar here, James? <laughs> yeah. I will be playing along. It will be set to music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An ode to Baba Voss. <laughs> In 96 verses. <laughs> it begins. Anyway, I haven't uh, finished what I'm watching yet. Let me, oh, fine, let me, carry on, boy. Let me, I will quickly, I, I really want to mention, there's been a series called AIDS, The Unheard Tapes, which oh, has yeah. been on BBC this week, BBC Two. I think it's three parts. It's all, it'll all be on iPlayer. And this is kind of like the, it's kind of like the factual, it's a sin, yeah. if you like. Yeah. It's it's made of, made up, I mean, there are loads of talking heads talking now mm. about their memories of the AIDS crisis back in the 80s and 90s. And there's like terrible, Terence Higgins from the Terence Higgins Trust, his partner is on the show talking about how, why they created that charity in honour of Terence Higgins, who was actually known as Terry Higgins. There's, it's narrated by Russell Tovey, the whole thing. But what is remarkable about it, the really interesting th- device they've got is, there are there were tapes that were recorded at the time by people who were affected by AIDS one way or another, actual people who were HIV positive, people whose lifestyle didn't, you know, was suddenly changed, people who didn't know what to do regarding having sex, and just the whole general kind of Misinformation and confusion and bigotry, obviously, of the yeah. time. Yeah. And these are so these are verbatim recordings, <laughs> and they're acted. Act, they've got actors who mouth the words. Right. If you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 That these actual to, to the actual recordings, and it's such a clever device, and they do it yeah. so brilliantly. It must be a really difficult job to, well, imperceptible. It's almost imperceptible to start with. Yeah, and eventually they realise. So hold on a minute, those are actual recordings because you hear the occasional crackle in them. Yeah, or, you know, on tapes, audio tapes, and, and yet these actors are, are reciting them brilliantly, miming them effectively. What film? Do, oh, Clive right. Arnold's film. They yes. do that really well. Right, and you know it's done well when you're not distracted exactly. by it. Exactly. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And the actors are brilliant doing doing. And they and they really they just it's it's a really impactful thing to do, but it's just an incredibly eye opening, 
a reminder that not so long ago, you know, just things like, for example, the age of consent for, for gay men was 21 mm. at this point, and it didn't didn't go down for years and years, quite a long time afterwards. So in, in, immediately, you know, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds having sexual were criminals, but were criminalised, you know, Jesus just to Christ. think of that, yeah. you know, in particularly, <laughs> and how they were growing up and, and being in fear of, you know, sex and, uh, and of what AIDS meant. Mm. It's just a really powerful, important series, I think. So I wanted to mention that. And it's, it's all up on the iPlayer. And what's the one other thing I wanted to mention? Oh, I went to see The Late Late Show with James Corden. That was very good this week. I saw that in a, here. Is yes, it? so they did a week of shows in London, right. which was a tradition they'd started a few years ago. They would do In the summer, they'd do a week of shows in London right. every year. Yeah. And then the pandemic came along and they stopped doing it the last couple of years, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, they've done, it, they've done it quite a few times. And I always go and check in. And I went to the recording with Vin Diesel, who was absolute maverick, wandering around, not sitting down, talking. Talking to the audience, making speeches. That but just, right. But I love seeing one of my favorite things like about my, my job is getting to see a, a big chat show like that, watching it being filmed and watching the whole, you know, kind of going behind the scenes, seeing yeah. all the machinations of it. I think it's, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Yeah. James, however, is literally could not be less interested <laughs> if I watch Sherwood's episodes two to six all in one go. I don't know time. what you're talking about, Boyd. Yeah. I'm riveted by this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, time for this week's guests. As you will recall from our show the other week, we very much enjoyed The Man Who Fell to Earth when it launched alongside half the other shows in the world on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, well, now is your chance to hear a little bit more about it as we have no fewer than three of the show stars, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Naomi Harris, and Bill Nye. Now, we sent Chris Hewitt, who, as fans of the Empire podcast will know, will do anything to support and show his love for the Pilot TV podcast, <laughs> uh, which is his all-time favourite podcast, incidentally. Not a lot of people oh, know yeah, that. Uh, so here are Chiwetel, Naomi and Bill talking to Pilot TV's biggest fan, Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Naomi Harris and Bill Nye, stars of The Man Who Fell to Earth. How are you all? Great. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah, good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I have to apologise, uh, first and foremost, before we begin, because this was meant to be in person, uh, but I have a cold, uh, and so we decided not to do this. And it just made me think about how things have changed post-COVID, because previously I would have thought nothing nothing of going into a room with people if I had a cold. And now I, I, I stay away. Has that has it been the same for you? Have How have things changed post-COVID for you guys as actors? Well, I haven't heard the expression post-COVID too many times. And I, I never quite know. But I'm not, it's good to have it confirmed. But, I, uh, <laughs> but, but it is extraordinary what's become normal now. I was thinking the other day, I have a granddaughter who's five and she just routinely lifts her nose up so that you can put something up her nose. It's not a big deal. It's like a normal day. Um, so, yeah, but the atmosphere has changed. A cold is no longer just a cold, I guess. A cold, it's, yeah. A threat. <laughs> yeah. Everything's changed, isn't it? It's like it's uh, 2019 just feels like it was a million years ago. And so yeah. everything's topsy turvy still. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm glad to confirm that COVID is over. I'm, that's the official scoop for me post covid that's where we are now <laughs> so it's all good we can we can run outside and hug it's all it's all good um before before uh, i started speaking to you guys i rewatched the interview or the conversation that uh, bill and chiwetel and andrew lincoln did uh, a couple of years ago for the national theater naomi have you seen this 
I have not. No, it's fantastic. It's uh, so basically, it's, it's those three guys in conversation about acting and everything they've learned in life and about acting for an hour. And I wish we had an hour with you three guys today. Uh, but Bill says in that that you, you there are three things that you'd learned that you'd know now that you wish you'd known when you started acting. One of them is drugs are the enemy of art. Another one is pay your taxes, moron. And another one is it's okay to be frightened. Uh, presumably, I mean frightened as a, a you mean as a frightened as an actor. So it just intrigued me. What what frightened you about this project? All three of you. What frightened you about the man who fell to earth before you began? Well, I think for me, every project frightens me. And I think if I'm not frightened, then uh, it's probably not a project that I should really be part of. Because I think every role should challenge you and stretch you in a new direction. So I always start every project thinking, oh my god, how am I going to find this person? Because it's always a leap from yourself to the character. Um, and and it, I think it, it should be like that. I think Bill's right. Like we're meant to be afraid because um, I think, you know, the best work is always outside of your comfort zone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're not if you're not challenged, something is um, something's not right. Um, you're not you're not learning anything, you know, and uh, you're not pushing yourself. And so, yeah, I think this project for me had, uh, you know, there was a lot of things about it that I thought were challenging. I mean, the scale of it. For a start, and the uh, and the the kind of the arc of the character, you know, and um, and the exploration of uh, of humanity, of what it what it means and what it feels like to be a human being from the perspective of somebody who isn't um, trying to assimilate and understand all, all of us, um, you know, was just such a kind of it was a mountain to climb, and it was exciting and terrifying, and uh, and you know, and therefore I was thr- thrilled to um, to to dive in. And Bill, what about yourself? What what frightened you about this? Uh, pretty much all of it, really. Uh, no, that's just sort of standard. It's what I have instead of a process. I invent a hostile parallel universe in which I'm just about to get fired. Um, and that's, I'm sort of half kidding, but, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, but not all the way kidding. But I, uh, yeah, it is a bad habit. Um, in this case, I suppose, there, you know, the precedent, had been set by David Bowie, so there was that shadow hanging over me as someone who was a great enthusiast for David Bowie and who, uh, you know, and who is very different. Uh, I mean, I'm similar in certain ways. We come from five miles apart, but apart from that, he's a different creature to me. So uh, people's expectation, I suppose, would have been daunting at the time. And then I had to forget about it and just present myself and hope for the best. Um, so there's that. Mm. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about that actually because you know this you're playing you're playing Thomas Newton who is the the the, the David Bowie character from the original Nick Rogue film and approaching this role did you initially think okay it's going to be sixty percent Bowie forty percent me or did did it eventually change into just you know, infused with notes of Bowie? Well, I had to accept that in the end we're both playing Thomas Jerome Newton and I'm me and he's him and the, and it's not I'm not a mimic and it's not my gig. So and it wasn't required. So I just, uh, you know, I hope to honour him, obviously, and do it as well as I can. And uh, and Joe, tell you have uh, a hell of a role here as well as 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 Faraday, the the man who felt one of the men who felt Earth <laughs> of the title, and he he strikes me as this this is a hell of a role because you have the we see in the in the opening episode we see what he becomes, but when he when he comes to Earth, he is this blank slate who mimics other people, parrots things back to people. It's a very comedic role. And uh, you must have had 
a lot of fun with that, I guess. Some of the some of the screaming the F word at people. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was fun. And that's one of the things that surprised me when I read the pilot, you know, was that I was laughing so much, you know, and um I didn't know if I expected that when I was um when I was first made aware of the project. And and that sort of fish out of water opening was so um exciting, you know, because it um it allows me as an actor to play in a certain way uh, and and to try and have fun to understand the ideas of this kind of isolation and, and alienation like sort of literally and then sort of run with it just push it to extremes which is always um which is always fun to have license to do that and then to kind of shape this this arc this character arc after that you know to land at this really I think surprising place for this for this character as he begins to understand his own um relationship to humanity and and what and what that means and we also get to learn and understand his personality you know he isn't quite a blank slate he's a person he's a being he's an adult being from another planet so he yeah. arrives with a lot of preconceptions and understandings of of life and the life that he's experienced on Anthea and the challenges he's experienced on Anthea and how he assimilates those challenges and understands them through the lens to the lens of humanity is um is a kind of fascinating process absolutely and uh, Naomi you play you play Justin Falls which is uh, first of all an amazing character name uh, I just I just love that name but secondly you've got this incredible odd couple relationship with with Faraday and and Justin is this incredibly prepossessed uh scientist who has all these 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 hidden depths uh that we uncover as over the course of the show what sort of conversations did you have first of all going into this with the the creators of the show Alex Kurtzman and and uh, Jenny Lumet about about this character and about un- uncovering her uh, across the course of the show. Interestingly enough, not many conversations at all. Like uh, oh. there the conversations that we had initially um, when I was thinking about taking on the role. Um, but my process is such that I like to rehearse on my own. I like to find the character on my own. And I don't really like to be influenced in that process. So um, I didn't really have many conversations with them at all. Um, Alex sent me a playlist of music that he thought that Justin would listen to and that would be important for her life. Um, but apart from that, no, he really just, he really trusted me to find her on my own, which was um, such a blessing because uh, you can have directors who like to meddle in the process. And I found, you know, over decades of being in this profession that what works for me is just to use my own imagination um, use the script as you know, obviously the springboard to form my imagination, but to find the character on my own. That's it. That the the playlist is fascinating. So, do you, you know, first of all, what was on it? I presume a lot of Bowie, but do you also add that playlist? And what else do you do? How do you have to bring this character alive before you you step on set for the first time? So, that, I mean, that is very much his process. So, I wasn't like adding to the playlist, but I did okay. listen to it. I mean, it was hours long, hours long. Um, <laughs> it was very Alex like. <laughs> Um, but it, it, you know, it was, it was very helpful, I think. And also just helped me understand the tone of what he was trying to create as well. But my process is such that how I find characters is really, I imagine myself in exactly this situation. So I imagine 
that I'm being interviewed and that someone's asking me, where did you grow up? How many brothers and sisters have you got? You know, what's your favorite color? And, you know, just through talking as the character, then I start to hear their voice and their mannerisms and the truth of who they are. And that's that's my process. That's amazing. It's uh, a right one. Bill? Very unique. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill Jewettel, is your is your method similar? And did Alex make playlists for for your characters as well? Do you know what he didn't? Mm. Did Which, he? Uh, this is the first I've heard about any playlist thing, frankly. Uh, so I feel you know, no, uh, no, he didn't. Uh, uh, but if you method is is probably a stretch if you use that word mm-hmm. uh, approach. I, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't. I, I used, as I say, I used to when people used to talk about late night conversations about their process i'd put the kettle on or something or walk the dog because my terrible secret was i didn't have one um i just do i just do you know walking you know wearing out the carpet saying it over and over and over again so that until you can give the impression that you've never said it before um in the in the time on a tradition of trying to learn your lines so uh and and you know you you try and respond to whatever's in the in the script and and whatever your responsibilities to the story are. And uh, and Chiwetel, what's uh, did you have a playlist? Get the, what did you have? Get the strides right. Get the get the trousers right. That's another big thing. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get a, a playlist exactly. Um, I feel really special. <laughs> actually, yeah, you to should. Be honest. You should. Uh, I would have would have liked a playlist. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, but I mean, ultimately, you know, I did hear some of the music that he that had a, actually that Alex had been listening to as well in the writing process. So maybe there was a bit of crossover there. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think we just rehearsed a lot, and um, you know, my process is slightly different to. Um, to Naomi's in the sense that, you know, I, I like to rehearse and <laughs> to kind of get in with the, with the other actors and um, beforehand and, um, and do a bit of that and dissect the script and talk about it and think about it. And I think there were a lot of layers to this. You know, there was a, a lot of complications and, um, and obviously over 10 hours to try and tell this kind of story was, uh, uh, you know, just had a lot of complexity. So it mm. was really useful for me to be able to speak to Alex Kurtzman and Jenny Lamette quite a lot and quite freely about all of those kind of, um, just all of those kind of areas and, and what we were sort of trying to explore, I guess. Absolutely. And uh, and so no playlist for you guys. I'll make, I'll make a playlist for you, Chiwetel. I'll make a playlist for you, Bill, so you, you don't feel left <laughs> out. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, very, very quickly, because I know I've got to let you guys go in a second. Uh, and this is such an obvious question, but i got to ask it. Each episode is named after a Bowie song. What's your favorite Bowie song, real quick? Well, I've, I've thought about this, and uh, it's impossible really to answer it because there are so many great ones, but I'm going to go with Absolute Beginners. That's good. Mm. That's a good. That's a good call. I would say my favorite Bowie song is "Prettiest Star." Oh, "Prettiest Star." Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I, I'm going to follow Bill. That's the beginners as well. Yeah, <laughs> that is such a cop out, Naomi. Honestly, I know, honestly, right? it's, it's, a, it's a great it's song. A truth, it's a great song. <laughs> It is a belter. It's a belter and a banger. Uh, guys, I've got to let you go. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.
Should we move on now yeah. from that to our list? Should we talk about the list? We are kind of halfway through the year now, pretty much. And you know what that means? It's time to reflect on the past six months and kind of determine which of the shows you absolutely cannot miss from all the stuff that's aired so far. Now, what's quite interesting about these half-year lists is they are not kind of like stand the test of time etched in stone lists. They're more like a snapshot of where we are midway through the year. So when we've done this in past years, some of the shows that have been on the list have been fucking insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like genuinely, this is a Stone Cold classic six months later. No one has remembered the show so you know occasionally we we can go a little bit maverick but you know i'm i'm reasonably happy that this list makes some semblance of sense so for the I se- didn't see, we haven't seen the final list by the way have we at this stage see see and this is this is well, classic boyd boyd who accuses me of not listening beth who accuses me of not listening <laughs> this is a list that i sent by both of you for your approval several times yeah, so I, you mean I, on, on the whatsapp i showed it to you yes. on the train platform 15 minutes ago but we don't- oh yeah we do actually yeah. i mean <laughs> but neither of you i was like now are you absolutely happy with the list you sure and you were like i don't care whatever can no, we get no, on the train i thought boyd was making amendments on the platform oh no i was trying to put my train ticket to get, to get tomorrow no. Oh. no 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 so no. this is definitely this is it. the list this yeah. is the list no, 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 no. This was the list which I sent you for your approval and or veto. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm happy with that. I just hadn't seen it. <laughs> All right, well, this is the list. I'm going to run through it in reverse order. We're not going to take too long, mainly because Empire's going to kick us out the pod booth yeah. before too long. But at number 20, Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love. Yeah, Beth, tell us about this one. <laughs> everything I hate about it. I read an interesting article the other day which was about obviously I'd completely forgotten who wrote it it was for something like the New Statesman or or was it Terry because Terry writes for the New Statesman I've seen no No? it definitely wasn't Terry I would have remembered that I think I would have remembered that even even me and my adult brain state but it was a a woman wrote a thing about how all these men why men don't like this show and women do and I'm like that. don't think that generalisation that doesn't gel with our podcast podcast. but even on a wider basis I don't think it does either I think it's a misguided generalisation because I know a lot of people other than Beth, who don't particularly like the show, yeah. But for yeah, for me, I absolutely did love it. And, well, both and, of you clearly did. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do you think it's one of these shows where there's an expectation that men won't like it because yeah, of I the do. way the women behave very in it? Do. You know, yeah. the way they're liberated and yeah. sex positive and whatnot. And I haven't actually Which seen in itself is problematic, isn't it? But yeah, that's true. But I haven't even seen any particularly negative reviews from men of it at all. Yeah. All the new, all the all the vaguely negative reviews have been written by women. So I think the whole so the basis of the whole. Article, <laughs> yeah, it's just flawed. Was for me. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I just I, I think it was it got better and better as it went yeah, along. It's good. It's um, very good. And I just thought the whole central dilemma of the birdie thing, you know, is yeah. whose side are you on in that? I thought it was fascinating. Team yeah, Max. So, team Birdie. <laughs> yes. Will it be on the list at the end of the year? Probably not. But it's there now, and that's the important thing. And number 19, the after party. Yay! There we go. Now she's awake. Hello. Yay. I mean, if nothing else, it's quite audacious what they did there with their genre switching. The the greatest interview of all time between me and Tiffany Haddish. To be fair, to be fair, (laughs) it's hard for me to argue with that. It was a magnificent interview. It was magnificent. If you haven't listened to that, do go back and listen to the previous podcast some months ago where Beth spoke to Tiffany Haddish and they became besties. Uh, At number 18, Miss Marvel, which is another one that Beth presumably will not be arguing with. Nah, it's brilliant. I love it. Yes, it is true. I think it's a a great show. I think obviously made all the better for airing at the same time as Kenobi, which was not. (laughs) And is not on this list. Spoiler. At number 17, the most recent season of The Boys, which I've finished watching now, Boyd. Have you seen the last episodes of The Boys? No, I haven't. No. Uh, I have. I, I, I mean, it's a very 
very good season of a very good show. And not just for the shock value, I and mean, there is a lot of that. Obviously, the first scenes of the first episode, very shocking. And then the yep. Herogasm episode, the sixth episode, there's a lot going on there. And the the kind of, I don't know if you anyone saw this, but there's a, a kind of a disclaimer at the front of that episode. And it's basically, it's, it's a comedy disclaimer saying, this is not suitable for some, well, most, let's be honest, all people. And it was just quite funny. Yeah. Okay. I, my favourite thing of the season, this season, I'm up, so I've, yeah, I've watched up to six, seven. Mm. Six is Hero Gazzle, Six is Hero Astonishing. Yeah. Is the uh, Imagine spoof, the spoof of the celebrity <laughs> charity oh my version God. of Imagine, which is fucking hilarious. Oh, that's great. Absolutely brilliant. And just because that was, you know, that whole thing that happened during, I think, during lockdown, didn't yeah. it, where they yeah. actually did have proper celebrities getting together to sing Imagine, I think it yeah. was. Oh, yeah. It was extraordinary. So the fact they had all these, yeah, proper people in black and white doing that was brilliant. It, 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 they, they work very hard at keeping it incredibly up-to-date and yeah. relevant and now, don't they? It's, it's very, very current. It's yeah, very current. It, it is, yeah. It's very tough. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wasn't... I, didn't, I This is definitely my favourite season so far of the show, yeah, and I think it needs yeah. to be there. Yeah. I have notes... Don't get me wrong. Of By the end of it, do. I have notes. I won't share them now because spoilers. But I have some thoughts about some things I think they should tweak for the next season. So oh, Eric Kripke, yeah. if you're listening, yeah. drop me a line. I will share those with you. And at number 16, we have the final season of Peaky Blinders, which Boyd gave five stars to. All right. <laughs> Having a go. <laughs> that was No, to be fair, I was 100% with you, I think. And I hadn't seen all the episodes. Well, yes. Yes. That's just from my I think it started quite strong with a lot of promise. And I and but I think it sagged a little in the middle. And the ending, while decent, I don't think was quite the explosive finale or gratifying finale that I really wanted from it. So while I very much enjoyed this season <laughs> of Peaky Blinders, there were large periods where not a lot happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it paid off in the end though. I th- I did like the ending. I thought it was good. There was a good mm. twist. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's good, or it wouldn't be on the list. Yeah, but I think it could have been like this. Could have been in the top five easily had it been, you know, slightly different. Yeah, sure. Yeah, agreed. But but we do love Peaky Blinders, and that is in at number sixteen. At number fifteen, Station Eleven, which Beth in particular I know <laughs> loved. Do you know what? I will get to it because of the sheer persistence of our followers who keep telling me to stick with it. Yeah. So, bear with me. All right, we're bearing with you. You must have played it in places very high in your list, James, because I didn't vote for either. So, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, have I mean, you been? I don't know what meddling? the machinations of this list are, but you know. Well, the list goes Just through sorry. a very, very important <laughs> scientific process whereby which <laughs> yeah, right. you vote Joking me. and Beth votes. Yeah. I give a cursory yeah. glance to yeah. your list and then I write a list, and that's yeah. basically how Let's this works. Say it's a heavily so. weighted list in favour of things <laughs> yeah. that James likes. But yeah. uh, but I send it back to you afterwards so you can have a look and have your little uh, wise and Sherwood on the list thing and. We accommodated that, so that's fine. All right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Moving on, and number 14, Peacemaker, which is funny. Like, Peacemaker, I think, is fucking brilliant, but it has been quite polarizing. Like, certain people, possibly on this podcast, weren't quite as fond of it. I liked it. Yeah, I, I no, I was the one. I okay. found it a bit glib and uh, smug. In, yeah, yeah. A bit much for me, yeah. I have no problem with glib or smug, as you may imagine. Well, of course, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was entirely owned it. Yes, the James Maker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, I mean, the title sequence is fucking great. Yes. And there were great bits. I don't, I, I, yeah, for me, do you know what? It's similar tone to, tonally to The Boys. It is. I may have mentioned this point when we reviewed The Boys. Yeah. Forgive yeah, me. You, you, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. At least someone listens. But, <laughs> briefly mentioned again, I think The Boys is more successful at balancing its smug glibness and has more to say, in a way, for me than Peacemaker. Yeah. That's all I'd say. But this, yeah. It's interesting. I was listening to some table chat in the office yesterday. People like Ben Travis and Sophie, but you've been watching it, the boys, mm. and just saying how much heart it's got. 
for such a disgusting show. Yeah. <laughs> That's my words. Yeah. Yeah. Disgusting yeah. is harsh. It does unbelievably somehow yeah. have some heart. Yeah, Which I'm not I've, sure. I've been watching that first episode of season three, having watched none of the, the rest of the show. I found that hard to believe. Oh yeah, you're not going to get in the first episode. But no. God damn, do I trust Ben Travis with yeah. my life and livelihood. So wow. oh, maybe, I, maybe wow. I do it. Maybe yes. I do it. Yeah. You right. prejudged it. And at number 13, Big Boys. Yes. Well, this was top of my list. Was it your number oh, one? It was, it was my... pretty high in my list as well. No, so again... do you know what I'm lying? It was it was third. I did. Do you know what I did it so quickly because we were not given much time to submit no. this. <laughs> no, of course not. I can't remember. It was definitely top three. It was definitely top three. That's interesting. Yeah, it was quite high in my list. So again, this could be. A this is a show that you have weighted. both watched through twice. Yeah. Did you watch it twice? No, I watched some episodes twice. Okay, okay. not okay. all okay. Okay. But I mean, I would. Quite happily watched yeah. it twice. Love it. Yeah, it was one, two, three, four, five, six in my list. This weirdly low on the list. Generally, That's how did that happen? Funny, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't <laughs> that peculiar? It's, it's yeah. hard to say. Should definitely have been in the top ten. Curious. Hard to say. Yeah, um, can't argue if with Matt. Boyd. If I'd have can't known, argue with Matt. You know what? It's so brilliant. This is absolutely classic because we, if we'd have conferred, <laughs> yeah. Beth and I, yeah. and realised that he's weighting these things totally Just, in his yeah. own favour, I might have questioned the list a bit more. Straight over, like mugs. I yeah, literally, to, and I cannot yeah. emphasise this enough, sent you the fucking yeah, list on multiple occasions yeah, and said, are you fine with the list? But what does <laughs> you go, yeah, we yes. trusted. There'll be a, fair, a, ba- a vaguely fair method. Yeah, okay, but you know the reason this doesn't work. And I'll, let's, let, let's pull back the curtain a little bit and go back to 2020 when you and Terry insisted that that <laughs> I May Destroy You be number one for the year. Yeah, and I and said... I, to be fair, I would have if I was on here and, No, well. but I said, I said, I said, look, I totally get what you're saying, but let's be democratic. Let's let the maths decide. And you both refused to allow a mathematical vote because you both knew that I would tactically vote, not put it on my list, and then it couldn't possibly come first. And so at that point, you said, no, we're going to have to artificially construct the list or there's no way that would be right, which is why we had joint number ones well, as normal people. Hands. And I made a story. Because so, I love the fact that James' example, James' example, it's basically, that's because we knew you'd be a bellend about yeah. it. Yeah, because he admitted that you would sabotage exactly. the poll. Yeah. We, because we democracy it. be damned. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, you do what you got to do to win. That's <laughs> truly why democracies don't work. I love that that is his triumphant example. He's so we had to think himself. about the fact that you would twist it. He's so unfairly. happy with himself. Yeah, absolutely right. Good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm the back of that. Anyway, bam, bam. <laughs> number Big 12. Boys was fantastic. Miss Boys was fantastic at number 13. At number 12, we have Sherwood. Yeah. Well, I've said, I've got, I've said what I've had to say at Sherwood. Which yeah. did not appear on Beth's list. No. Oh. Have you finished it, Beth? No, not yet. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I think good. when Beth finishes it, will be. Yeah. Yeah. Beth, Beth, Beth are you going to finish it? Yeah, well, yes, because mum's told me to. So. Oh, right. But <laughs> until your mum told you to, why are you going to finish it? <laughs> I was going to finish it. Leslie Manville saying twat. Brilliant. I mean, that's oh, fair. That is fair. So much that. great Manville. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's there's an awful lot of buzz around the show and people are saying it is phenomenal. I must admit, I feel like an outlier in this particular case. Not that I thought it was bad and I can't emphasize that enough. I thought it was great. <laughs> I just found it quite dour and, you know, I didn't really fancy watching more of it. But, yeah, uh, we know. We're aware. But that, that's my own personal <laughs> taste. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, look, it's at number 12. It's doing very well. Speaking of happy-go-lucky comedies, at number 11, The Responder. <laughs> well, there's a trio. It's funny that have ended up in, it, we'll talk about, it. there's three in a row, yeah. really of quite, one could say grim, I would say authentic, realistic, <laughs> yep. gritty, yep. Uh, brilliantly conceived yep. um, BBC dramas. Yep. And the respondent, I, I thought Martin Freeman, was, it was the performance of his career. Agreed. It, beautiful, as well as being, you know, mm. the kind of neon lit, dark f- cinematography and everything. So it wasn't just kind of, you know, 
basic BBC drama filmmaking. No. It was properly ambitious as well. It is grim as all fuck, though. Of course, the subject matter was grim, but... Mm. You know, sometimes you have to deal with that kind of thing in life, James. Oh, so, do I, though? Do I, though? I mean, not you, specifically. You obviously <laughs> don't. Yeah, no. You live in a fantasy world. Yes. Populated by... Um, Jason Momoa and lots of other people. Yeah. And The Expanse. But, you know, yeah. it was fantastic, yeah. Okay. And at number 10, completing our misery trifecta, this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I liked about that is it did have a real, like, it had real heart. And I funny. And it was funny, funny, proper laugh out loud yeah. moments. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that show, that show was always going to be brilliant, but Ben Whishaw as yeah. him is is that spectacular casting, absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And it, and it, it was really funny. I mean, it, you know, it was, it was the, it was the, mo- the, it was such an incredibly dark subject matter, but I thought it brilliantly pulled yeah. off the, the tone of it. And it's been nominated today, this morning, and out for a Southbank Show Sky Arts Award as well. Okay. Amazing. Which I may have been on the panel for. And that is not going to hurt. Go. So that's good. Uh, at number nine, Pachinko. Yes. <laughs> that was very high on my. That was. Oh, God. Do you know what? I couldn't even tell you. I can't remember what number one was now. I've got in my own head about this. But yeah, no, Pachinko's great. Please watch Pachinko. I feel like not enough people are watching Pachinko. So please go watch Pachinko. Well, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because Apple will never tell us. But no, yeah, I think it, I think it's I think it's done pretty well. I think it's a stunning yeah. yeah, I hope I hope so. At number eight, hacks pick a season one or two. They yeah. both dropped this year. But so you're number one, aren't they, James? So oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. No, I liked hacks. I thought it was great, and I will watch more of it Yay! at some point <laughs> when I can. When the fucking tidal wave of shows stops <laughs> washing over me. Yes, at number seven, it's Barry. Yes. What, I mean, what is there left to say at this stage? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Beth. Ben likes it. You might have heard her talk about it once or twice over the past 19 weeks. Uh, but yes, very, very, very good. At some point, I'll watch that too. Uh, uh, number six, Stranger Things, which obviously we haven't seen the final two episodes. Yeah. And if they, you know, jump the they shark entirely, <laughs> then we might have to rethink this. Yeah, but we're... assuming the last four hours of this show are not dreadful, they've done a pretty good job of this particular season. I think they've done a really good job. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And, I thought I was a bit sceptical about the cutting between basically like what four different kind of well you're, you're team anti-hopper aren't I am you you're, like, you're very anti-hopper came good in the end though I, I really like the last I, I still yeah. think it was a, fl- a, a weak spot of it really a was. lot they could have cut that back that particular storyline obviously once they've decided they're going to they're going to cut between the three or four different locales and stories and have a whole section in Russia yeah. with him whilst Winona Ryder and that doofus go and try and rescue him. <laughs> it, it, it just took, took too long. They could have got to him much faster. It's so it's almost you, like, my partner was like, I wish he just died. Fair enough. No, yeah. justice for Hopper. Come yeah, but on. Well, scene... Just give him something better to do with himself. Yeah, but when they brought the spoiler alert monster in and all of that, that was fantastically well. Oh, yeah, that was and, great. And, yeah, so the, it, it paid off in the end, but it took a while to get there. And it, it, oh, it took like 12 hours 12, to get there. Yeah, there it, roughly like that, 12 yeah. hours to get there. Yeah. So, but I think the whole, all of the upside down stuff and the, the I love the origin story of the, of the, of the monster. Well, um, it comes down to that. That yeah, that season, main that episode four, episode four, final scene, running up that hill. Yeah, everything about Sadie Sink, fantastic. Yeah, yeah so all of that stuff. Yeah. they've really learned, I think, to which actors. Let's face it, are particularly great, and they've absolutely written to that. I think, like, they give a lot of all of the really big ambitious stuff to the best actors in this. In the both the really young cast. I mean, they're now mid teens, yeah. and the slightly older cast, because they've you, you can just tell that they've given them the most interesting stuff to do yeah so yeah 
But, you know, who knows? Four hours, the final four hours may... Uh, yeah, could be absolutely Could dreadful. elevate it even higher. Could do, could do. Who knows? We'll find out. And number five, we own this city, which was really fucking good television. Again, not a laugh riot, I would say, but I think less so because of the tone of the show and more just because of the, the, the subject matter hits very close to home. I, I think, think it's was... got a massive bias against British gritty... Yeah. Grim mm. subject matter. And American. Yeah. I think you accept it much more yeah. from America. And, and because, yeah, because, really uh, because I think because there's a realism to stuff. I think gritty, sort of like crime-driven or sort of misery-driven stuff in the UK feels like it hits too close to home. And I think there's something about America which just feels distant and detached. And part of that is the way it's shot, I think. But also part of it is because it's another country. But but, yes. but but do you know what I mean? Like it's not happening in your back garden. Right. You're not, it doesn't feel quite so you mean, you, as you, you feel present. like you step out and be attacked any moment by some like... <laughs> Gang. Oh, boy, you are coming from today and I love it. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, yes, I do feel very much like I could I could wander out of my middle class enclave and get stabbed by someone. But no, I'm the responder. But I have, yeah, I have always felt that, though, like with American shows, that there is something about American shows where mm. the grimness kind of washes over you yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you're not bit. alone. I think it's a common thing. I think mm. there is a real, you know, bias in favour of American. But this, I, I, I had the show in my list, but it was like, you know, lower, much lower down than this. And I do think, I, I, I genuinely think, I will tell you right now, that <laughs> I'm about to say, that Sherwood is a better show than this. I just think it's a better show. I think the writing, the ambition in a, in a particular way is, and I think just what it's, what the power, its power, I think, is, is, is superior to the show. And I, I think, you know, all of the kind of trendy, you know, critics won't ever, would never say that. Well, I obviously cannot You're comment because I haven't watched all the episodes. However, no. I have read about them on Wikipedia. So I'm going to go right on the record here and now and say that you are wrong. Fair enough. No, don't know. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Perhaps, perhaps you're right. I don't think you are. But perhaps... <laughs> You'll never be. Perhaps you're right. Who knows? Who Let's say? move on to number four, which is the final season of Lisa McGee's Derry Girls. <laughs> oh, I mean, what an absolute... Brilliant way of ending the show. Yeah. Just, you know, it was perfect, wasn't it? I think. You know. Oh, it was perfect. I've just written about it for something in a magazine and I got all dewy-eyed just thinking about that show and it ended. But yeah, just just a yeah, perfect note to go out on. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Love it. Miss it. Yeah. 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 One of Liam Neeson's many cameos this year, but nevertheless... Cameo king. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and the best is. cameo, I think. I oh, yeah. Better. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even oh, yes. better than the, than the Obi-Wan one. Yeah. The other one, the Atlanta one, is just outrageous, but this one was fantastic. <laughs> okay. At number three, which I'm kind of abstaining from, but deference to you two, Better Call Saul. Yes. Yes. It has... I think it's totally delivered on... Well, know, find out next week when we enter the, the home stretch. I am nervous. I am nervous about it starting again next week. Nobody is safe. No. <laughs> I, well, some characters are safe who were breaking well, yeah. bad. They are, they are so wreathed in plot armour, as we say. Yes. <laughs> A smattering of people are safe. The ones I thought were safe are not safe. <sighs> Yes, I'm, stra I'm stressed, boys. Yeah, I'm it's, stressed. No, it's, yeah, I He's mean, phenomenal. I'm stressed. Yeah. But, but yeah, an incredible... I have to use the word incredible again. <laughs> A brilliant achievement yeah. to I, the whole storyline in the first half of this season where 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 it's him and Kim hatching this scheme yeah. was so clever and yeah. so kind of brilliantly told yeah. where you didn't really know what the fuck they were doing yeah. until it all played out in that finale in that mid-season finale and that how that brought all of the spoiler alert essentially all the main players together in the final scene of the mid-season premiere looking at James if he's watched it obviously he hasn't was so it's so clever I mean it's just the, it's just fantastic the whole conception of that show it's it, it's it's probably I think it's gonna be the best prequel you know piece of 
in ter- film and TV. I'm not thinking of The Godfather Part Two, maybe. But in terms of like, I, I, I love it when story. you make these I grand know, proclamations, I'm and, grand which proclamation. don't hold up if you really look. At them. Chris, you will agree with me when we do our podcast. <laughs> the greatest prequel of uh, all time. If you think how pointless prequels are that are orange, orange origin story. Often they are complete. I mean, you know, look at fucking that. You know, the Pixar film, Toy Story one, <laughs> Lightyear, Lightyear. Yes. You know, you have the pointlessness of that as opposed to the how he's made. They, they, the creative team in this show, have made it incredibly thrilling, and you really can't wait to work out how they get from this series to Breaking Bad. It's so clever. Yes, I've made my point. Okay, I think we can all agree it's no Phantom Menace. Anyway, at number two, at number two, perhaps surprisingly, Shining Girls. On Apple, I mean, it's a bit good, isn't it, Boyd? It's a bit good. I'm reluctant because I've just spouted on, spouted. Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's magnificent. Magnificent. It is magnificent. Um, I mean. All of these Apple shows are, are, are phenomenally well made, aren't yeah. they? They're so cinematic. I mean, like, we, we talk about cinematic TV, but this show, I mean, every single shot is like beautiful. Oh, it's stunning. What they do with the kind of temporal consistency and yeah. the, when, when reality kind of shifts. The, I think there are so many clever choices in this show, so many clever choices. One of which is they do not trip over themselves to explain everything. They yeah. they layer in implication and they layer in sort of hints as things and they they reference things, but they don't go out of their way to spell it all out for you. So even when you get to the end of this, you understand the plot of the show, but there are lots of aspects of it that still have question marks over them. And I think that's great because it means that this, this now occupies a space in my head and it will never go away because I can't stop thinking about it yeah. because there's so many things like, oh, maybe it was this and what was that there? And oh, I never, what was that? And so I was talking to Sophie about this early on, Sophie Butcher, I'm saying, in our office and I think she was just like I don't know what's going on <laughs> like, I don't understand it <laughs> and, and it's like, I, that's what I really liked about it because I think you do understand it but but it doesn't explain everything and I think I think so many shows make that mistake and they try and spoon feed you 100%. every possible answer and ruin it and because it, it is effectively it's a horror you know it's a horror yeah. story and the particular one, my least favourite thing about horror stories in film or TV is when they have to find a really clunky way of yeah. explaining how this thing is happening yeah. and as you say that's what they brilliantly avoid doing and I don't think you need to know how these things the how and no. the why you understand what the situation is, yeah, and as you say, how they the, the, the way they place the revelations throughout the series, throughout the narrative, is, mm. is just they, they were perfect, stunningly paced. And yeah. Elizabeth Moss is the greatest person in the world. I mean, she's so good in this, but everyone is good. It's Jamie Bellend, yeah, obviously giving excellent <laughs> Jamie Bellend. <laughs> yeah, he's really good in this. I yeah, I, I and again from Wikipedia, I, I the changes they made from the source material, I think, were, were quite inspired yeah. as well. So, yeah. yes, Shiny Girl's fantastic. And at number one this year, at number one, another, another Apple show, just to show that that streaming service is absolutely kicking ass at the moment, it's Severance. Yes, that was, this was a slow burn for me. Like, it took me a while to, to warm up to it, but oh my God, when I did, I did. So, yeah. Yeah, same with me though. I agree because, but, but I think it did. I think it's a show. It's a story that gets more and more involving. Yeah, and you care more and more about the characters and the situation. Yeah, and they and the, again the way they they deployed certain facts and certain uh, kind of revealed certain bits of information was made it ultra compelling and gripping and surprising. Mm. And by the end of it, by that lot, by the time the end of the last episode, you, you, it had become like a, this is the greatest thing, one of the greatest things. <laughs> again, I'm hyperbolic of the year, definitely. So yeah. I think it has to be number one yeah. because I think it has had that impact. I was listening to, I mean, it's kind of a rival podcast to me, but I'm going to mention it anyway, and, and James can cut it out if he wants to. But the current, the Kermode and Mayo podcast, they have this slot where listeners are, tell Mark Kermode to watch a thing on TV that he hasn't wouldn't have watched, and he watched started watching this last week, and mm. he was like instant. Instantly 
bowled over by it, you know, and it was like, had to watch the first couple of episodes, then voraciously had to carry on watching it, couldn't stop, and completely, completely obsessed with it, you know, by halfway through the, the season. It's, yeah. fan, it's a fantastic I mean, I, 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 of course, am a far bigger person than to sit here and say that when we reviewed it, I'm the only one who liked it. Like, that would be... That would we be, liked it. Did you, though? <laughs> I, um, I, I seem to recall, I thought it was great. And you were like, yeah, it's We fine. had issues with it. No, it's we had to have issues with it. Yeah. I think, I, I'm going to give you credit here, yeah, you were more right about it than we were. <laughs> I, 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 but I, I do think that part of the reason for that is exactly as you say, it builds momentum as it goes. And it starts very slowly and very weirdly. And I think it takes a little while to get in sync with it, because it's... It's a slightly yeah. odd show. Oh, it's really odd. And, and even the, like from the title sequence, which is quite alienating in and of itself. Yeah. I yeah. think it's a bit irritating and alienating to start with. It was yeah. more that. I don't think it's slow. I think it's more that I, f- I found it quite difficult to come to terms with. And I found the whole concept kind of, oh, I'm not sure if I want to watch a whole series about this, about this whole central idea that yeah. people might divide their lives into two or not. But then, but by, by halfway through like episode two, I'm like, oh, I'm completely, absolutely can't stop watching it. It was when it became, because when I first watched it and I said it on the podcast, I was like, I feel like I'm just watching things I've already seen in, in shows like Legion, which I think did an astonishing job. But yeah, it was when it started to become, the concept started to branch off into really interesting, unique ways that I was like, oh, this is this is something else entirely. Yeah, really great. And a great one for Apple as well. Like, they are getting their Commissioning just oh my just god, spot mm. on. Just, yeah, yeah, everything about it. yeah the yeah. filmmaking the this completely yeah they are smashing it. and we have another one coming up later in the show. Well, we that is our current halfway through the year list. Yeah. So make sure you watch everything on there. <laughs> I, I know I need to watch a bunch of stuff that's on there. But time now for the news. What's been happening in the world of news? Well, obviously we have mentions the big news of the week, which is that C, C. sadly yeah. is coming to a close. Yeah. There is a trailer for the third season of C. So if you are as excited as I am to see it return, albeit briefly, there is a trailer out there now which has Bubba Voss in action. So do go and check that out. What else is going on, Beth? It's some exciting casting news. So we know that Phoebe Waller-Bridge departed from her collaboration with Donald Glover for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the prime show. Mm. And then it's just been announced that Michaela Cole has joined the cast, as has uh, Severance's own John Turturro. I always say John Turturro as well. John Turturro. My neighbour, John Turturro. My neighbour, John Turturro. 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 Is it Turturro? I don't know. I don't know. I'm massacring every single pronunciation of everything there. Paul Dano as well, which is super exciting. So that's that's some wicked casting news. It's really, it's quite, it's quite Extraordinary casting news because I just think of Mechanical working on whatever her next big project is, you yeah. know, writing and starring and whatever the hell. But clearly, she's she's impressed by the script to to act in it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's great. So that's exciting. ITV has commissioned a second series of The Tower. Uh, James is a big fan of ITV uh, primetime <laughs> dramas. So yeah, I quite like The it Tower. Good, I watched all of it. Yes, yeah. The Tower was good. Yeah. Gemma Whelan, the gr- Gemma Whelan, who can do no wrong, yeah. was in it with Tah- uh, Tahira Sharif, Emmett Scanlon, Jimmy Akingbola. They're all back. I, I really liked it, that first series. It, uh, that spectacular opening on top of The Tower yeah. was brilliant. And I think it sustained it throughout the rest of the series. And this new, this second season will be called The Tower, colon, Death Message. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. It's got a colon. The Tower Death Message. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Also, you will notice that if you've had been having a look at the Fallout series, based obviously on the Fallout games, Beth, big fan, oh, has cast Carl McLaughlin, which is rarely a bad decision, oh, I'm saying. yeah. So he's going to be in there. Walton Goggins is in there playing, I think, a ghoul or something. But this is obviously <laughs> yeah. set in the kind of slightly weird 1940s inspired future post-nuclear thing. Yeah. I've played the games. It's a giggle. Did, did any 
anybody watch the Tiger King dramatized version? I did. Did it even come out? It yeah, came over here. It did on yeah, it was because it was on uh, Peacock. Right. It yeah. was slightly under Peacock has a weird lack of publicity for their shows, I want to say. They don't, you know, compared to like Paramount Plus, who had like, you know, this spectacular launch with all these stars over and yeah. they've taken over half of King's Cross Station as we just saw recently. Yeah. Peacock's never it doesn't seem like NBC particularly bothered, like having a big you know, they've almost like a soft launch and it's been softish ever since. But that show, that Tiger King show, and I actually quite liked it. Oh, did you? Yeah. I thought it was quite, yeah. I think they managed to find some, they had a lot of flashbacks to his kind of youth and to his, which mm. to some extent explained why he became the utter gigantic <laughs> doofus bell that he did. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, I have to say. And he was great, John Caron Mitchell. Really yeah, well cast. I mean it's a fantastic cast, yeah, but I yeah. just, I didn't hear anything about it. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I, I think I mentioned it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was decent. Yeah. Weirdly, in confusing news, Jodie Foster's True Detective season four has been given a series order at HBO, and I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Yeah, that was weird. Wasn't and it? it's just like it's like, what? Yeah. but this is confusing. When you when you cast Jodie Foster at that point, surely your show is already yeah, going it's ahead. Yeah, done deal. I'm, I was a I was a bit confused by that, but anyway, that's going ahead. If you didn't realize otherwise. Also, speaking of things that are going ahead, Succession season four has oh, become yes. production. Yes. 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 The classic picture of a clapperboard. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I need to know more. I need to know where they're filming. I need to stalk them on set. But incredibly exciting. Kind of sooner than I expected, actually. Mm. Ten that? episodes. They've confirmed yeah. ten episodes. Yeah, fantastic. But cannot be, could not be more excited about that. Anything else? As I mentioned before, unless you cut it out, James, these South Bank Sky Arts <laughs> Awards, which are the only awards in the world covering every single element of the arts, from classical music to opera to TV, mm. announced their nominations this morning. And, it was, and the TV drama ones are It's a Sin, of course. Obviously. Time. Yeah. Talking of Grimm. And this is going to hurt. Big, oh, pretty good tree. I think you'll find. And comedy. Starstruck. Great. We Are Lady Parts. Fantastic. And Almost Not Normal. Ah, yeah, it's a pretty good list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, this is good stuff. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, yeah. Okay. Congratulations to those people. Congratulations to them. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations to Kit Harrington because we heard a little bit oh, that not yeah. only, well, obviously, we talked about the Jon Snow series that's in development, but it was all his idea, apparently. Yeah. All came from him. Yeah. Yeah, good for good for him there. Yeah, I mean it's not a huge stretch, isn't it? You know that hugely successful yeah. TV series that I was in that yeah. ended. Could we maybe continue he, it with me as the lead? Come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He must have had a dream or something. Like it just came to him in a spark of inspiration. But anyway, that is happening. And yet Amelia Clark has said that she will 100 percent not be part of it. I mean, she's dead. Spoiler. So that's not a massive <laughs> shock. But anyway, she confirmed that as well. I don't think there's an awful lot of other news this week. I've got to be honest with you. We're quite lacking in news. Plus, you just want us to move on as well. Yeah, and I'm also bored of news. Agenda. So I think. I do have another agenda. We need to move on because we need to get out of the studio. So we're going to skip on from news and go straight into reviews. And I think we begin with Blackbird, which is Taron Edgerton as a swaggering drug dealer who gets sent down for 10 years, only to be offered a lifeline. His sentence, of course, will be commuted if he can go undercover in a supermax prison and get the location of a young girl's body from a serial killer with, let's be honest, terrifying sideburns. Who wants to tell us about this? Yeah, I can. I can if you want. I, this, so this Taron Egerton, first of all, plays James Keane, and this, this miniseries is based on James Keane's own memoir. Yeah. So he, you know, it, it, he's quite a full-on drug dealer at the start of the story, who has got to the point where quite a successful drug dealer as well, because he's living in this kind of like swanky, expensive apartment where he struts around half naked. I mean. Taron Edgerton has buffed up for this one. Oh my God, <laughs> I, mean, I thought that. Yeah. I was like, look body. at those abs and Ab those arms. Yeah. Like, Christ. If you follow him on Instagram, as I do, he does mention it. He mentioned recently that he did have to really, really 
properly gone because he is extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, compared to when yeah. you're playing Elton John in Rocket Man, yeah. it's yeah. quite. It the wasn't difference. just cut out the yeah. Mars bars. Like there was uh, a lot more to yeah. this. He's kind of he's almost like a kind of American psycho type figure. Yes, you know, that's yeah. a really good shout. Yeah, like yeah. just a, out, the ultimate alpha male. Yeah, literally an AK-47 in his kitchen drawer. Yeah, and you know, kind of having sex with this woman who barely doesn't even know her name, and she's just had sex with this woman when the police raid and arrest him and find yeah. all his all his his cachet of stuff. <laughs> Then to cut a long story short, and this is the actual truth, and it is an extraordinary thing to have happened, but it is true, clearly, that the FBI came along and decided they they had found this guy, Larry Hall, played by Paul Tehauser, who had, there were two, women had disappeared, young women had disappeared in this locale, and they felt that he was probably responsible. He did, he did kind of confess to killing two people, two women. Yeah. But kind of, but he's a very unreliable witness to his to his own crimes, or, or, or unreliable um, figure, yeah. and kind of a fantasist in many ways. And the local police almost thought he was just kind of boasting that he might have killed other women, and he weren't even sure if he'd killed the women that that, that he confessed to killing. Yeah, yeah. If you see what I mean. And so they kind of almost dismissed him. Yeah. But then along comes cop Brian Miller, played by Greg Kinnear, who meticulously kind of finds actual evidence and questions him and it soon becomes clear that it's pretty likely that this guy Larry Hall has killed a lot of women I mean we're talking 1920 possibly more yeah and so and what the FBI decides to do is they he's he's convicted and imprisoned of 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 killing but they want to get him to admit that he killed lots and lots and lots of people and is an and is an extraordinary serial killer yeah so they convinced Taron Edgerton's character James to befriend him to move prisons to this this institute for particularly psychotic prisoners yeah. to befriend him and try and eke out a confession from him for killing all these other women. Yeah. And that is the unbelievable, frankly, premise. This yeah. is like that is like something out of Science of the Lambs, basically. <laughs> yeah. But really did happen. Yeah. And I, I think it's a really well told story. Yeah. I think that I think that Taron is brilliant in it. I think he's completely convincing as yeah. this as this total alpha male. I think Paul Waterhauser is phenomenal. A kind of like he's doing he's playing a real a really bizarre kind of isolated eccentric prob- psychotic figure and so there are these like ticks and whoosh, he, do- he he doesn't look establish eye contact with the other characters for example and he kind of stares stares off into the distance but I, I was I felt totally believable that he was that character yeah Greg Kinnear's great I loved him as the cop and it's really well it's just really well put together Laura McCauley is the FBI agent who comes up with the whole scheme oh and I haven't even mentioned Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta <sighs> plays you know, this, is, this is his final role. Well, isn't I it? think there are. Cu- I think he did a couple of roles oh, roughly okay. at the same time. So I think final there might be another TV role. Yeah, I feel like it is. final TV role. Yeah. I think there's another film that he's going to crop up in. But it's particularly poignant to see him in this because he is great in his in his scenes where he's trying to you know. T- exp- trying to advise his son he's an ex-cop and he's trying to advise his drug dealer son what to do yeah. and they're really moving and he has kind of it gets dimensioned those scenes at home with his wife I thought were incredible so what a cast Ray Liotta Greg Kinnear Paul Tehauser Taron Edgerton and it, I thought it was really well written yeah. it felt really authentic to me and, and so yeah I think it's really good so were you okay another Apple triumph with the timey-wimey stuff yeah they, so yeah so basically the, the, it works how you're watching the narrative unfold with Taron Edgerton's character and then at the same time it's flashing back to effectively the investigation yeah. into the serial killing but it's it's pretty clear it's not too tricksy I think yeah. it's absolutely clear and, and and in fact the way those two timelines meet eventually totally makes sense so I think it's fine yeah yeah I've only, I've only watched the first episode so far and we'll go back to watch more of this I think but 
yes, we don't see that much of Rayleigh Otter in the in the first episode. It is just just setting up the premise and and this journey that he's about to embark on. But I think it is a real testament to Taron Egerton to play this this guy. As you, I, yeah, what's his name? Patrick Bateman. There's such a yeah, good, that Patrick is Bateman, such yeah. a that nails it for me. I think just incredibly sick, incredibly charismatic. Obviously, Son's violence against women, which you know I'm always here for. Yeah, but I don't know. I <laughs> and this is on me. I always fail aside from him and rocket man i have a real blind spot distinguishing between him ty sheridan and <laughs> olden erin right erin right to me i see mid-built brunette boys <laughs> that's brilliant and it and it, I, I find it quite hard to kind of distinguish between the three of them it's it, it, as i say it's a blind spot i apologize to <laughs> mid mid-built brunette boys the world over but with this i think this was a really fun like the the whole kind of crux of him going to befriend this psychotic man is because he has this inbuilt talent to befriend people and draw out sort of things like when they're they're kind of they're not they're proposing what they want him to do they're kind of listing all the things that he's done in prison like he's he's able to kind of bribe people almost without them feeling like they're being bribed is is sort of what his talent is which is why you you know they've they've put him forward above anyone else and that takes a certain type of performance and i think he is just like surface charisma. Like it's just, yeah. it's just right there. It seems to just kind of come off his skin. I think he, he's just great. So yeah, I'm really pleased and I'm fascinated by the story. I'm obviously very drawn to the fact that Rayliot is in this and, and like, you know, love him, but some of the stuff he's done kind of later in his career, it's been hit and miss, which oh, yeah. is nothing yeah. to do with him as a performer, but some of the projects he's given just don't really know what to do with him. Whereas this, it feels like they really knew what to do with him. And I, and thank goodness. I'm, I'm so glad because you look at some swan songs for performers and you're mm. like, Oh God, it's like hotel of dogs four or something. <laughs> and this is like, I'm, I'm really pleased he's been put to excellent, excellent use in this. So, we yes. Sh- yeah, I agree. And we should say that Dennis Lehane wrote it. And Dennis Lehane is one of my favourite American crime writers. He wrote like, you know, the books Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone. He wrote Shutter Island. Mm. Um, oh, I love wow. his stuff. So yeah. I think he's, a, what he does brilliantly in this as well, I, was just, I meant to mention before is, like for example, the scenes with Greg Kinnear, yeah. he kind of establishes some random, like the, Greg Kinnear is irritated by a window not closing properly. Remember mm. that scene? And I think that's so, they're so clever little moments where just random things yeah. make yeah. you believe in the character. Just give it a kind of more, more tissue, more kind of levels of yeah. of believability. Of the character. Yeah. Like he does that all the way through. He, gives you little insights into each character he's so clever that's yeah. a really good observation actually I, I remember that thinking that I, when I watched it because there's a bit he's, he's making a phone call to a cop just yeah. to do a bit of background research and the thing is obviously it's important to the plot but it's not the most dynamic conversation. Mm. So while he's doing that, you see him disassemble the That's mechanism right. housing yeah. for the window in his office, yeah. fix it and reassemble it while he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. So it gives so you this bit of sort of visual invention to yeah. keep yeah. the scene entertaining, even though the conversation's a little bit sort of like pedestrian. And yeah. it works, but also it's a character point because he's meticulous. Yeah. And, he's, and he's, he's the only one. He's yeah. surrounded by a bunch yeah. of absolute fucking doofus policemen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and he's like, no, I'm going to fix this fucking yeah. window. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a lovely touch. I really like that. That's great screenwriting right there. But yeah, it, the thing, 
thing with this is like, as with all these Apple shows, there's something about the way they're shot, the way they're presented, which I know we use cinematic exactly as you said a lot, but they do all feel so cinematic and so beautifully shot. Mm. And there's just something about this that from the first scene of this, which is Taron Egerton in a warehouse involved in, shall we say, a spirited business discussion. <laughs> and like yeah. from that first scene, you are in yeah. 110% because you're like, I am fascinated by this guy. I'm fascinated by this world. I have to see what's happening. What interests me and why I want to watch more of this is I don't know where this is going to go. And the reason is like, you understand the setup, like he's going to go undercover. He needs to get some information about this guy in prison. Now you think, you know, in a situation like this, you'd have to outwit this mastermind. But the guy he's actually having to get information from is just a slight Odd bod. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's a slight. Okay. He's a, he's a massive odd bod. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, believe he's, I think he's described that's, one of the police as a massive weirdo. That's you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. He's just slightly like, fractionally <laughs> off, just a tiny bit. He's here. not quite. But do you know what I mean? Like, but so I don't know how that's going to go because it's not yeah. your traditional sort yeah. of like inveigle your way in there and try and get their confidence. Like, how on earth is he going to cozy up to this guy? Not least of all because his sideburns will get in the way. But, you know, that's a whole That's yeah, a whole. It's a good thing. point. Funny enough, I'm annoyed myself I always do this when I watch a factual drama I always end up googling it and, having a look and I've, I annoy myself by seeing oh see I, d- I didn't want to know yeah, so I didn't it actually yeah. is quite interesting how they how, how it all ends up yeah, okay fast, fast, fast. okay but yeah fascinated to see where this goes mm. and but also slightly annoyed that yet another show has now been added to my incredibly oppressive <laughs> list yeah. of things which yeah. are getting in the way of me watching Better Call Saul yeah so anyway but Blackbird drops on Friday on Apple TV plus it is Friday, isn't yes, it, boys? It is, yes. it is on Friday on Apple TV Plus. Watch it. <laughs> watch it. Uh, watch it. Watch it. Two episodes drop for the first. Is that? Yes. I thought maybe you were, you were clamoring for that. Piece no, of it's basically so you will, you will discover this about this week, boy. I have got not written down the uh, air dates for oh, anything this okay. week. Friday so, of July, two episodes drop, and then weekly you. after that. Thank you. That is very useful. Next, next we have the baby. And this stars Michelle DeSwart as a woman with no designs of motherhood, a plan which, of course, changes quite dramatically when a baby literally falls into her lap. Oh, and it's evil. It's an evil, demonic monster. But, like, actually evil and demonic, not in the way that, you know, many babies seem to be. Beth, Beth, tell us about this baby. Sure. Yeah, so this is a sort of horror comedy about a woman who has a lot of friends with babies. She doesn't want a baby. She's landed with a baby, just as you've said. An evil baby. An evil baby. <laughs> this is the evilest little little piece of piece of work I've ever I've ever seen. And it's kind of a so I I've actually in the episode the huh in the issue coming out our next issue I spoke to the creators of this Lucy Gamer and Sean Robbins Grace, and it was created as a reaction to. Well, how they feel about how they they don't necessarily want to be mothers, but there's this massive big societal expectation that they should be. Or, you know, there's this expectation of women, especially when they get to to a certain age, to to have kids. And they very strongly don't feel that way. So they kind of vented all their thoughts and feelings about that and their speculation into this big horror comedy, which I think tonally it works really really well so there's some really so yeah it does basically start with this baby literally falling in her lap Natasha the character's name is yeah and then this this baby is psychotic like it's a psychotic baby who by some means has the way to just kill off people who he crosses paths with so that's going on and then <laughs> meanwhile Natasha is is also like trying to you know not kill the baby so so it's he's in her care but then she's also her 
her psyche is is unraveling as people are talking to her as if it's her baby and has been her baby all along and she doesn't really understand what's going on there so there's all these things happening and then it's all the tropes of of like a horror as well so there's the this incredible score that's running through it and some really fun set pieces with like gore and violence and some really f- <laughs> I don't want to say kills for laughs but there's a really great bit in a in a British cafe like a very distinctly British cafe with a <laughs> like a, a death happening in the background which is very very funny I don't want to spoil that so yeah I think this is really creative I like that it is t- it, it's it's obviously making a point as to to how society expects women to behave. I mean, obviously, this feels quite triggering at the, at the moment. It's already been released mm. in full in in America, so it's it's coming over to us now. But obviously, yeah, in this climate, it does feel especially interesting to watch. I think it's great performances. So yeah, it's Michelle, as you say, is Natasha. She's not really been in much before, but it's a stand up comic. So mm. as you'll hear in the interview, we talk about how her stand up kind of informs the comedic beats of her. character character but she's also got all these other strands to her as well so she's a chef as well and actually as a chef excuse this like maternal instinct all of its own and then yeah she's she's like this she, she's very blunt speaks her mind she's great I think she's great and then there's this great supporting cast as well you've got Izzy Sooty am I saying that right yeah yeah a Dobby and Peep show just just loads loads of really great British like comedy actors I would say it's ambitious it's fun it looks great the production values are great the baby <laughs> is absolutely wild so I was talking to to them about this as well because it is astonishing I've never seen a baby give a deadpan stare before. What's really interesting, because I was going to ask you, I assumed it was CGI. It's a bit of everything. Oh, is it? Okay. They reckon about 30 people were tasked with this baby. Wow. So there's there's twins playing the actual baby. Yeah. Evil and twins. Evil twins. <laughs> CGI puppetry involved, I think, oh. in some instances. But it is, it is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. The, the look on that baby's face is yeah. hilarious. It's part of the, 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 the comedy element of it. Yeah. Comes with the fact that it's, it's, whenever the, 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 the reaction shot from the baby yeah, are yeah. brilliantly funny Absolutely and brilliant. creepy at the same time yeah. yeah yeah. and they've got him doing that like crawling across a field like on his own under the moon like really ambitious stuff yeah. so I, I really do I really do applaud it for its ambition sometimes I don't know sometimes it, the metaphors feel a little bit it is like you're being bludgeoned slightly but it is something I actually haven't seen on screen before so so bludgeon away, mm. I'd say. So yeah, I was I was really on board with this. I think it, it packs a, a mighty punch and it's fun and I had a lot of time for it. Yeah, it's interesting. The first episode I think is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it's a brilliant first episode of anything. It's one yeah. of the best first episodes in terms of setting it up. It is the greatest first episode, says Boyd, yep, ever time. made. Yeah, all right. It's definitely <laughs> the greatest first episode this week. Actually, Blackbird is quite good. Yeah. Uh, no, they've done a really good job of establishing that tone, as you say, establishing yeah. that, you know, how annoying it is that all her mates are either having babies or have got babies and talk about babies. We've all been there. And she is just great. As you say, it's the second thing. She's only been in one other acting job, I think, you know, TV job. Um, yeah. And she's phenomenal. But just the whole setup of it is really clever in that first episode. I I, I, sl- I think it's slightly tailed off for me in the second episode. Okay. Or tailed off is... I mean, I'm still going to carry on watching it, but it's quite confusing, the second episode, in a way. And, and, right. not, and, and not like 
they don't know what they're doing, deliberately so, yeah. whereby suddenly, actually, I'm not even going to say because that will slightly spoil it, but it it's quite it's quite surprising how things play out and quite confusing yeah. and slightly, in some ways, annoying, I would say. <laughs> but that's not to say that it, it's brilliantly made all the way through and, and acted and it is funny and it manages to be creepy and it's not scary in the kind of like you know jump scare kind of way it's more in the the as the implications of this evil baby from hell play out and it's no mis- I, th- I think the font by the way that they've chosen is the same font as rosemary's baby i do believe and that's no accident so it's got that i find evil baby stuff really good at, i'm fascinated oh, by yeah. it anyway it's a great great premise for a thing yeah. so i will definitely carry on and say it's slightly tail off in the second episode but i will carry on watching but the first episode is just oh, it's very fantastic. funny as well yeah. like it's so i mean it's pitch black <laughs> yeah it is so dark it's also absurdist as well and oftentimes with me like silly comedy bugs the shit out of me like i yeah. normally kind of but weirdly in this it didn't bother me at all no. even though it is absurd and it is very very silly at times i wonder whether it's because there's this really dark streak running through it as well like it's really horrible in places there's in the first episode there's a breastfeeding sequence which is quite upsetting <laughs> but and also also you know like she's a raging bellend as well like her character when she starts yeah. off with you're like i if i were your friend i don't think i'd be your friend yeah and yet there's something about having her being a bellend and then getting this demonic baby it yeah. just works it works really well so yeah I, I i did have fun with this one i love the guy in the takeaway yes, which i believe they filmed I on did. your street oh no that was a slightly oh, different one different, okay. yeah that was a different one he is really funny as well like he's got a really odd quirk i've seen him in other stuff and i've got yeah. to look him up but he's got a really like quirky odd delivery line delivery and he's got a dog and yes that's very interesting <laughs> Excellent. <There you> go. <laughs> well, the baby airs on Sky Comedy. on Sky Atlantic. Oh, okay. Yes. And and now and now and from Thursday. When? From Thursday, the seventh of July. Excellent. Nine of the PM. I think the whole series is available okay. on that day. Good. It's an HBO co-production. If you want, because I think it's, if you're wondering why it's on Sky Atlantic, because it could be on Sky Max or Sky Comedy, but it's on Sky Atlantic. I think it's because it's an HBO co-pro. Ah, uh, yes, that would make sense. That would make sense. Right. Next, this week, we have The Girl from Plainville. And this is a miniseries based on the events leading up to and directly following the death of Conrad Roy in 2014. And the role his girlfriend, Michelle, played here by Elle Fanning, had in his death. Boydie. Yeah, this is another (laughs) true crime. Dour true crime drama. this is... (laughs) quite dour in some ways I mean it is a it's it's a bleak story because I, I remember yeah. so this is not the first time this true crime story has been dramatised there was a TV movie that made of it there's obviously various podcasts have dealt with it there was a documentary there was a two part HBO documentary that oh, I actually nice. watched so this story is not uh, w- w- a lot of people will know about this story which basically involves a guy called Conrad Roy III who was 18, 19 when he took his own life and he took his own life after a series of lo- many, many, many text messages from his in quotes girlfriend I mean they actually met on not, on not many occasions but they developed he, they, they met they developed this very close bond very very quickly mm. and they started texting each other constantly and obsessively mm. for months and months and the volume the, the volume you see in, they dramatise quite cleverly in the show mm. just how much the vol- literally boxes and boxes when they have to print out all of the text between them they fill up boxes and boxes and boxes just just reams of this stuff and she, played by Elle Fanning, basically ended up convicted of, of involuntary manslaughter because she, in quotes, drove him. And that's the this is the question that this series is, is delving into. Did she, to what extent can you ever prove the fact, the idea that she drove him, in quotes, to taking his own life? But that is the story, effectively, that right. this is dealing with. And obviously that is a 
bleak, you know, but I have to say I am fascinated by the whole idea of it, the whole idea that you can convict someone of a crime when you physically don't have anything to do with it. Yeah. He did take his own life. I mean, that was that, that is quite clear. But she just ended up in this position and it obviously has to explore her personality, the the uh, this drama and how the relationship developed and why it ended up in this really grim place. Yeah. And why he particularly how why he particularly ended up at this extreme level of emotion and of, of psychological damage. So I guess it's the Horio question at the center of any review of this kind of show. I think more than Blackbird was one type of true crime drama. I think Blackbird because Blackbird is based on a memoir. I don't feel there's any moral issue surrounding that yeah. show. It's a true crime drama with a, a convicted serial killer, a convicted drug dealer, and it's his own story yeah. that he's literally involved with. This, however, is uh, is adapted essentially from articles about this case. And I, you do have that queasy eye, at least, have that queasy feeling. Is it valid mm. to, you know, all these, you know, to, 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 to look at this story? And for example, there's, this, there's, this ep- there's a moment, I think it's in episode one, I've watched two or three episodes, where Elle Fanning's, th- th- this woman played by Elle Fanning, watches Glee, Oh, yeah. And she watches Leah Michelle singing yeah. to make you feel my love. Oh, it makes you feel ill. And it makes you feel ill. Yeah. And she is effectively kind of learning how to emote. She starts singing along. Yeah. And it's a really creepy, yeah. weird scene. And she's and, and I think the message you're supposed to take from it is she's kind of le- because she is a kind of a blank slate almost, yeah. is how she's depicted yeah. in this. That she's learning how to emote and how to kind of, you know, move people. And then she's going to definitely get involved in moving this poor guy who ends up taking his own life. So what I'm trying to say is that it makes you feel very uneasy that inevitably you're going to have moments that slightly feel melodramatic or slightly feel like the dramatists are trying to explain and explore how these things happened, how what particularly her, her the girl from Plainville, yeah. who, 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 who got involved in this guy's life to such an extent, what her motivation was and what was going on in her mind. And can you ever know? Having said all that, I carried on watching it. And, you know, so I think if you, you are almost complicit is a strong word, but I don't feel I can completely on a moral level, complain that they've made this show because I feel like everyone involved is being very responsible. It's directed by, it's created by Liz Hanna and Patrick McManus. It's directed, at least first episode, by Lisa Cholodenko, who's a really good director. And, you know, I kind of trust her instincts yeah. and I trust her with this story, returning the story. So, again, to use my Horiel phrase, I will carry on watching it because I'm fascinated to know what they are going to say about this, this extraordinary relationship that ended up in his death. But... It, it, it definitely makes you feel uneasy, which I think is the whole point. Yeah. My one qualm, above and beyond the, the moral element of to it, is it's eight episodes, right? Eight hours. I'm already, after episode two, I think I'm halfway through episode three, thinking this doesn't need to be eight hours long. And mm. I think, you know, you already, you know where you're going yeah. with the police. Again, this jumps around. This also switches between the police investigation on one hand and the backstory of this relationship developing between these two young people. And it cuts around in time, obviously. Yeah. Slightly more irritatingly for me than Blackbird, for example, but not completely annoying because I can it's I think it's valid the way they tell those stories and mesh them together but eight hours I don't think so I think this could be I think yeah. it's going to be wrapped up in half the time but yeah. this is often the case with these things isn't it like I don't think this needs to be hours long. I mean to be fair I have not watched all eight hours of this but it feels and I've read a lot of people saying that this, this feels like something that was better suited to a documentary in terms of format just because the thing you want to know the crux of this whole thing is what was going on inside her head and that's, a, that's something that you're never really going to get from this right. and without that piece of information everything else is academic 
Yeah. Because it's like, what on earth was going on inside her head? And it's, it is very dour. <laughs> like, and you know how I feel about these kind of dour true crime things. So I'm a bit like, oh boy, give me the expanse. It would kill you to have a dragon in here. Like, what is happening? So like the performances are really, really good. And Al Fanning's always compelling, as is Chloe Sevigny. But I, yeah, I just, it's, it's a real downer. And I kind of felt a little bit like, I thought watching this, I thought no matter how many episodes of this I watch, this is never going to give me what I want from this story. Mm. And for that alone, I kind of feel like I can't justify sinking eight hours into it. Well, the eight hours has obviously put me straight off. <laughs> but I mean, I did. I actually went into this completely blindly. I just picked up the three episode, the three shows that Boyd recommended. Ignore James <laughs> as he tried to meddle with them over the course of about <laughs> seven days, and just was like, "Oh, okay, Plainville. Oh, there's the episodes I need. I'm just going to jump in and watch it. I didn't know anything about the story. Mm. Did it? I didn't even realize that was Elle Fanning until about twenty minutes in. Well, she's changed the look quite. I mean, she does. Yeah, like, yeah it's it's quite a transformation. Also, yeah. because she is still how old is she? I want to look right now. Considering she's a, a high schooler in this, and she's I mean, she's twenty four. She's not old. Yeah. But she's definitely, definitely playing someone at least nine years younger than she is. Mm. So yeah, it took me a while to realise that's who she was. I was just like, oh, who is this? She's a great performer. And then obviously realised it was her. I'm interested by the choices she's making with TV. Like she's definitely seems to be drawn to these like, yeah, dark kind of devilish. Like the great's obviously like a great kind of satirical, sharp-tongued thing. And this, she's playing dark, dour, true crime stuff. So yeah, it's interesting to see her go down that route. But I think she's great in this. And yeah, that that final scene where she's recreating Leah Michelle singing to her <laughs> partner who died, like mm. that was like horrifying, but I could not look away. Yeah, yeah. Like that was absolutely mesmerizing. And like Again, because I don't know anything about the story, I was like, you know, it's such a fascinating take on how people are kind of enamored and almost like validated by the death of someone. Like it's really dark, but it, it does really happen. But yeah, now you're now you're seeing it's eight hours and there's like a dearth of other ways I can learn about this story. Yeah. I am probably Wikipedia, 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, and the, and the HBO documentary, which is really good by which I did watch, is 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 two and a half hours. It's like two episodes. What? Yeah. I just yeah. Oh, why why? 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 I think the answer to why it's very simple. If you you, you if you could get a, a show commissioned, whether it's true crime or drama commissioned, which is self-contained, you know, as this has to be, yeah. you're not going to get uh, commissioned unless you unless you give them six, at least six, if not eight hours. But even the fact that the story's been told in so many other places yeah, that are so just, readily available, it's just it's, it's like, just the economics of it, of it and completely rule it. I think. Yeah, but this is the difficulty with these sort of true crime things. It's like this is quite a dour story split over eight hours, and exactly as you say, like it's not news. Like it's not like to watch this. It's just to experience it happening because everyone knows how it ends so there's no excitement to be had from it so then I think it's then hard to justify in this world of peak TV spending that amount of time watching a story just to see it play out yeah I just I, why it's fair I mean, I was I was enticed, but you've both you've both. <laughs> there you go. We talked you out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am going to. I've already watched the HBO show, but I, I, I'm a, I'm also going to watch it because I want to see how they where where will these subsequent yeah. six hours that I haven't yet seen come from? What what is in that yeah. story? Yeah. So I'm kind of fascinated to know actually. So I feel I have to carry and watch it almost for that reason alone. Well, this one is on Stars Play, and Boyd, when does it drop? It's on Sunday the tenth. Sunday, the 10th of July. Finally this week, we have a show that only I have seen. This is The Terminal List. This is the pilot of which is directed by Antoine Fuqua, which is very exciting. But this show actually began on the weekend. And we couldn't talk about it last week because it was embargo, but it stars Chris Pratt as a US Navy SEAL whose team is kind of white 
tapped out in an op. And upon returning to base, he discovers that not everything is on the up and up, or maybe he's losing his mind. But this one's based on the book of the same name by Jack Carr. And the reviews for this, <laughs> it has to be said, <laughs> are somewhat punishing. So I believe this has, I'm going to look it up here. Yeah, it has a Metacritic rating of 37, which is damning absolutely damning i'll be honest i'm quite surprised by that but i do think one of the reasons for that is exactly the same reason that, that we just spoke about the previous show this is eight hours long and it feels like something that could have been a two two and a half hour movie in and out job done do you know what i mean do yeah you know what i mean exactly i just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that this is an eight yeah. hour series because it's one of these things where it's very action-packed there's a lot of violence in it it's very grim but it's not particularly clever or complicated like it's a straight up kind of man on a mission type revenge story i must admit i was sucked in because i read a review that said it was commando meets jack reacher meets first blood and i was like you have just scored a full house in terms of things that james <laughs> finds interesting so i was like i am here for this show and i think for that reason and perhaps for that reason alone i quite enjoyed this i find chris pratt quite watchable generally and i enjoyed this whole he's a navy seal out to get people thing and yet it's not sophisticated and it's very very, very earnest. But what it does, I think, certainly early on, the, the Fuqua episode at the beginning is, is really well directed. I, I think the action really lands in that one. And the first episode ends in a really fucking dark place. Oh, like it goes to a it goes to a place I didn't really think it was going to go. And right. I was like, ooh, boy, how do we come back from that? And then it's just, then it kind of descends into, it's a bit of a rote conspiracy thriller, to be honest. I don't think there are many surprises. It kind of goes where you think it will go. But, and for all of that, and it's, 37% Metacritic rating. I think it's quite entertaining. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, oh. I, but I, but it's it's entertaining in a way that I, I kind of went to thinking, I know I'm going to like this. I know it's probably not going to be very good, but I know I'm going to like it. It's very prime. You know, in the way that prime have got this sort of like, you know, they love a bit of Clancy. They love a bit of oh, without yeah. remorse. Yeah, it, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's of a parcel with that kind of stuff. You know, like I say, it's not going to, Move the needle particularly. I'm really but, annoyed that I didn't I didn't watch this because I could have you know questioned James's entire taste <laughs> and the fact that he prefers yeah. to watch this than Sherwood. Yeah. says enough. And about you him. would be like you would be I'm sure you would absolutely hate this. Uh, but like I say, but Commando, First Blood, Reacher, come on. The fact uh, that James has gone into this saying I know it's going to be dreadful. I know yeah. I'm going to love it. Yeah. I know I'm going to yeah. watch all of it. Some sort. Just save your breath, boy. I think, it. Save your I save your. I I should be applauded passion. for my self awareness. <laughs> Pratt isn't a good thing about Pratt. <laughs> yes, that he's he's his lightness of touch, right? Now, from what I've read about this, he's playing quite a heavy, oh god, serious yeah. figure, utterly humorless. Well, what's the point of that casting? You know, PTSD yeah. up the wazoo. No. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Literally, no, but no, but he really is like he turns into the Punisher. Essentially, is what I this is. And some of the, whole... the shit he does with what's this one guy's intestines, like it's really, really grim. What like it's hell? so grim. That's but, not what you want from Chris Pratt. That's not what you want. He's clear. He's clearly trying to break out into more. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, annoying. he's gone into dark areas. I will say, though, that this also co-stars Taylor Kitsch as one of his kind of like mm. allies in this. Taylor Kitsch does not get enough screen time. I've got a lot of time oh, for Tim right, Riggins. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Tim Riggins, hey. of course, was a character from a show called <laughs> Friday Night Lights, Beth, which uh, <laughs> you'll never have heard of, but I must tell you it's good. Twitter this week, yeah, I know. It funny? It's because we were, we're leaning into this in-joke and no one, of course, realises that this is a long-running joke that, of course, Beth wrote an in-depth article on Friday Night Lights for Pilot TV magazine. Jeez, and then on this show, when I rewatched it I went Beth have you seen Friday Nights have you ever heard of it What's that? and I started James explaining the show to you but yes Tim Riggins 
Taylor Kitsch is in this and he is great as well. But look, is this is, is this is this great? No. Is this good? Well, did I, I enjoy it? James Absolutely. These are total questions and answers yeah. them in turn. Like, yeah. It's brilliant. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did I watch it all? Absolutely. Like, I can't apologize for that. It's just very much where I am. But this, the terminal list, is now available on Prime Video. It dropped on the first of July. Do we have a pick of the week other than the terminal list? <laughs> Uh, it's a trick I'll go for the baby I'll go for Blackbird I think yeah. Blackbird yeah yeah. I, I, I think Blackbird was mine as well have we missed anything Boyd have I missed anything I that's out this week it's, it's, yeah, um, it's a light week there are fewer as as the summer goes on and things like Wimbledon and um, the Women's Euro start soon next week there will be fewer new things on TV so I don't think we've missed anything major thank God for that Yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe I'll get to watch Better yeah. Call Saul uh, that would be exciting wouldn't it it would be alright fine well that's it for this week's show if you want to leave us a five star review by way of a recompense that would be highly appreciated and not I have to say, like the bell end who left us a one-star review because he didn't agree with Beth's review of the offer. True story. Uh, feel, that. <laughs> feel free to look us up on social media at Pilot TV Pod, as well as individually at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. Next week sees the beginning of the end of Better Call Saul. The new Resident Evil series arrives, and I assume other shows will turn up as well uh, not only that but childminder in chief Michelle Swart, star of the baby will be on to swap babysitting tips with Beth uh, until yeah, then yeah that's what happened yeah that's what happened that's right that's what, that's what happened wasn't it yeah <laughs> good uh, until then pilot out okay so it is now Monday morning we have watched the Stranger Things final episodes I in a heroic sprint last night until silly o'clock in the morning but I got there uh, Beth is not here with us, Boyd, though I seem to recall from her WhatsApp that she was a little bit meh on the whole thing. The question is, were yeah. you a bit meh on the whole thing? No, not at all. No, I was fully um, I'm fully embracing it. Um, yeah, Beth said it was formulaic. Was the, only did. the one word. That's only the, the only word we know. <laughs> it's all we know. It. It's all we know. <laughs> um, I mean, it is formulaic. It was formulaic in the sense that, you know, a lot of it was kind of like almost like a repetition or a remix a, a Kate Bush remix of scenes we've seen <laughs> already, you know, particularly the upside, the big upside down confrontation with, you know, the monster and all of that. And Max, it, that felt like a, a, a bit of a retread, but it still worked for me. It's still, it's still, um, I still cared. I think what, what I, what I felt about these two episodes was that it, it brought together all of the um, characters and gave all the characters a chance to kind of have their big moment. So, mm. You know, whether it was, um, you know, Will showing his absolute love for his best friend, like that storyline I thought was, even though, you know, I, I, people have criticized, I've seen criticisms of people saying, oh, you know, he should just come out as gay, and, you know, and, and, and express his... Well, I think it's clear he is, right? Yeah, it's absolutely like, it 100% like it's clear. That he is. He just, right. He's just it's, not articulating it. Yeah, and you do have is, a, a, an openly queer character in the show. Exactly, um, exactly. And people are comparing it to that, of course, to her and going, oh, well, you know, she's dealing with it. Well, he's a young guy. It's different. Yeah. And especially in the 80s, I mentioned this mm. in the previous episode, I thought that was really well handled, I I, I think, because it's quite clear that he loves his best friend Yeah. Uh, while his best friend is dealing with his love for Eleven. Um, and I thought all of that was handled really well. I also really like Lucas's that scene with Lucas, um, where they're writing with Max, where they're writing out. Yeah, there. that's lovely. That was mm. a lovely scene. I think they all got moments like that. And of course, e even just um, you know, Joyce and Jim, 
their, you know, what they had to deal with when they get back and when they're all reunited in the end. I thought all of that worked really well. Yes, it was. They were incredibly long episodes. But the weird thing is, even though, and some some storylines, I still think was it's a fundamental mistake to have to, for the for the um, Jim in Russia storyline to have been given so much airtime. And so it's once they decided they have to weave that setting and that storyline into the main, into into the whole series rather than say just give it one episode they could have dealt all of that in one episode if they really wanted to and instead they have to you're constantly cutting back to a storyline that is so overblown and, and 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 extended for no reason that it really brought it down for me but in the end the final two episodes of their storyline were great i mean you know it all, it all came together in the end. And um, Eleven dealing with, let's face it, her abuser, you know, the Matthew Modine's mm. character. I mean, that whole storyline has been really, really kind of creepy and nasty for me. Like, it's this this weird old man, Papa, and the all, dealing with all these kids, particularly with her, and her standing up to him in the end and having that big speech and rejecting him, you know, yeah. even as he's, you know, spoiler alert, about to... <laughs> Carcass. I think spoilers have left the building at this yeah, point. You're fine. Spoilers left the building. Um, again, really powerful and really satisfying. So even though it was really, really long and extended and it was stuff we'd seen before, and yes, it was formulaic. I mean, there was a whole love conquers all thing, which I mean, you know, I got completely almost, I was like, are they really going to go down the, it's, love is going to sort everything out there. Yes, they are. Um, even, even having said all of that, by the end of it, by that like half hour kind of if you like epilogue where they're all back in you know back in Hawkins and they're all their their lives are getting back together again and it's I wanted more I was like oh my god I can't believe it's over <laughs> I was just yeah. watched you know eleven thousand hours of it <laughs> um, it left me wanting more so I was very absolutely mesmerised by it very satisfied by it and to have even more Kate Bush remixed with the Stranger Things theme tune um, I mean what more could you want. Also, that was that the the Kate Bush remix bit at the end was so well executed. That whole mm. finale was incredibly well executed. Like as you said, like everyone has their own moment to shine to the point where it's almost a little bit like now it's your turn, where yeah. the bit where you know Robin has to get her chance to throw a firebomb before Nancy gets the shotgun. So it's, everyone has to have something to do. But I thought they very clearly and cleverly balanced what everyone was doing. I love that they're in disparate locations as well, and they all have different parts to play in this big plan, but they all have their moment to do what they need to do, and you're never confused about who's doing what. No one feels extraneous to the plot. Everyone feels like they have a part to play in this battle. And I like that the battle doesn't go entirely to plan, but that bit at the end, when you have the running up that hill sort of remix, and Hopper takes up what looks like Conan's Atlantean sword. How that got in a Russian gulag, I have no idea. The last time I saw it was in Arnold Schwarzenegger's office, but Hey ho! Um, I thought that was just fantastic, and him slow motion decapitating the demogorgon. Like it was very, very cool. All of it yeah. was cool. Like Lucas fighting. I insert privileged jock white man names there. I can't remember his name, but anyway, he got killed. And I quite like the fact that the when the upside down Fisher opens up, it just sort of eviscerates him. You're like, good. I'm glad you're dead. That Lucas fight yeah. was brutal as well. I'm really, really well done. Like you really it felt every brutal. punch. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it, that was that was brilliantly done. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really nice, and I think you know could it does it need to be two and a half hours? Mm, probably not. <laughs> did it need a half hour epilogue? Again, no. But I did enjoy it, like you. Like I really enjoyed all of it, and at the end of it, I was like, oh god, because it feels like it's teeing up for mm. more, but they yeah. haven't even 
shot the last season yet. So I know. God knows how long we're going to have to wait to find out what happens. And I like that it didn't sort of wrap up because every season up until now, they have dealt with the threat and it's been quote unquote gone to a certain extent. You know, there might be a little twist, but it's largely gone. But now it just, it feels like, no, no, they're, they're setting the stage for this final battle. What form that will take, it's hard to say. Um, but yeah, I, I must admit there is an element of formula to it. But I, yeah, I thought it was, it, I thought it was a triumph. Is what it I will, it, yeah, it was uh, just enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I think it. I think it's like you know, it's so good now that you care so much about the characters. They 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 lavish so much care in in the filmmaking. Um, it's 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 almost it's just like in its in its own world now. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's like a kind of mm. a, it stands alone for me. And I mean, I think it's like there could be the whole the rescuer of Netflix. I mean, Netflix must be so happy that they've got this thing and they'll have to wait I'm sure we'll have to wait two years for the next for well, the final absolutely, season but yeah. at least but um, it's so it is absolutely magical and um, spectacular and, and and what I said but the fundamental triumph of those last two episodes was the emotional underpinnings of yeah, it came yeah. through and which everyone, is what most of them were like it was all character yeah, not plot all character yeah exactly yeah. Um, and even that as you say that half hour um, ending well, that was all about you know settling them back and I actually I thought the ending funnily enough a lot of previous seasons have ended I think the last two off the top have ended with Will you know getting a sense that yeah. he's back he's being he's being uh, he's back in touch with the elements from the from the upside down but it felt like really exciting what they're setting up it reminded me of the end of jurassic world leading into this new latest one where at the end of Jurassic world the dinosaurs are unleashed into the whole of the planet and of course we didn't get mm. that in that fucking stupid no. film but they felt, <laughs> felt like they're unleashing the powers of the upside down on the whole of you know it's coming out into reality and that that yeah. could affect the whole of the planet again in this and i'm sure they will follow up on that idea in the new in the next in the final season so we predicted deaths no one had eddie as the obvious one though it, it does make sense but he felt like quite oh. a low stakes death yeah new character kill him off whatever and then exactly. max when i thought they were going to kill max i was like that's that's a bold move and then of course they undid that yeah. um, but i still thought it worked i thought it worked nicely like she's in a bad way but you can imagine she would be back and fine at some point in the next season um yeah that makes sense uh, to me yeah yeah eddie going was lovely yeah. and that you know the whole axe wielding you know kind of diversion vibe oh. Heavy metal storyline was really yeah. good. That's what it's like around around my gaff on a Saturday of night. It is. It's, uh, yeah, of course it is. you get your axe out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly um, that. Yeah, that was very sweet and moving, and that whole and Dustin like Dustin him practically being like bros. You know, even though he only yeah. arrived of this season, that character, but yeah, he was really really good. Um, yeah. And as you say, the whole yeah, Max, that it just made sense. I think that was it was valid because it actually made sense that she would yeah, be because she in did a coma. die, but then she yeah. came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's and fine, presumably yeah. this is the reason why the. Uh, the impact of the membrane between realities breaking down wasn't quite as devastating because she came back to life. Right. But uh, I yeah. guess we'll find yeah. out more in the final season when that arrives, whenever that arrives in however many years. Like, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't believe you have to wait. Yeah. It's, uh, it's painful. So a triumphant send-off of Stranger Things or a formulaic one, if you ask Beth. Take your pick. Uh, I think that's it. I think we're done. Excellent. Yep. All right. See you next Thanks. week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>